Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 non-stop destination for A's baseball. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout and he blasts one. Way back! It's one out. So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. I have been told, and I didn't realize this, this is the last A's Cast Live of the regular season. Because after this, it's going to be all about the postseason. We're going to be back on Monday. It's a day off. I get it, but we're it's not going to be a day off. Kidding me? We're getting ready for the postseason. We're going to be on from 3 to 5 on Monday. Then, of course, we'll be getting you ready for a little A's baseball during the regular season, uh, during the uh, postseason. But for the regular season, Cody, are you okay with this? This is the last show of Friday, the last show of the regular season of 2020. Where has the time gone is the real question. It doesn't feel like it's been a full – well, obviously it hasn't been a full season. But, no, I'm not okay with it, but I am okay with it because we have the postseason starting on Tuesday. We got a lot of scenarios that need to happen this weekend in both the AL and the NL. It's an exciting time of the year. And I always talk about all that 2011 finish of the season was one of the most exciting things I've ever seen. I think we're. I think we might get top this weekend with everything that's going on, especially in the National League. My Marlins, the Reds, the Giants, Car- literally every team still uh, mathematically uh, alive besides like the Diamondbacks, Nationals, Pirates. I think like maybe one other team. So it's going to be very exciting. Yeah, it, it, it is a time where I think baseball can really, as football is going on, college and pro really is a time where baseball can shine. Baseball had their opportunity, and unfortunately, because of dollars and cents, baseball didn't get get going when they should have. But now, where baseball is, because the NBA, let's face it, the NBA and the NHL, the ratings are down. They haven't been great. But starting on Tuesday and also on Wednesday, 
baseball has an opportunity to entertain the country still while majority of the country is not in lockdown, but still when there's not a whole lot of entertainment going on, baseball will have that opportunity. And there's going to be so many baseball games that you're going to have that opportunity to do something this sport has never done before. And it's going to be a thrill. I'm telling you right now, you're absolutely going to love it. I know the old schoolers don't like it. They like 162 games, and this is how the playoffs should be. But reality is, when you have this many teams competing, you have this many cities and fan bases that are in right now, you're going to love it. It's going to have a March Madness feel to it. And the urgency, you know, there's some teams that will tell you, hey, listen, in March Madness, why do I have to play so-and-so this seed and risk everything that I, I, I deserve? Well, guess what? You're in a tournament. And in a tournament, everybody plays. So even though you're the number one seed, you got to play. And we had Blake Trinan on yesterday, and it was uh, nice to, to hear from Blake. But the reality is, as Blake said, you know, you win your division. What reward do you get for it? Well, your reward is you're going to get to play at home. That's it. And if you're that good, you should win two out of three. The importance of a series like everybody's going to do, you should be able to win it. Now I know in football, you know, you can get the you get the buy, you can you can get the uh the week off because you're the number one seat. You know, you're not getting that. You're gonna have to play right away. And you gotta you're the advantage is you get to play at home. Like we didn't even know that they were gonna go into a bubble. We had no idea that this was gonna be the American League going to Southern California and that the American League would be going to Texas. We didn't know that. I do want to give baseball credit for being able to change on the fly. Something this sport, even Dave Cavill, wasn't that funny, Cody? Even Dave Cavill was like, you know, this is a sport that normally doesn't do this, but they've done it this year. I've been impressed with how everything's gone. I mean, the the changes they've made, how you know they they adapted and did the eighteen playoff in each league, uh, baseball is changing and it's a good thing. Now I I don't know if you've seen this. This is something that I've been harping on for years, and they finally did it. Uh, you can you you can do using Google Cloud in the Google Film Room. You can uh, put highlights up on social media now. You can share highlights from games and create reels and stuff. That is a huge thing that Major League Baseball is doing now. Where that's why the NBA is so popular on Twitter because you can take clips and share them and no one ever says anything. Where baseball was always a little more stringent on that. I'm glad that baseball is adapting with the times and using all that technology to to take care of it. So baseball is definitely taking a step in the right direction. Yeah, and, and the fact that you had to you had to follow the lead of the NBA and the NHL, but the problem is they were not playing a full season. This is basically a full season as much as you could do 60 games that you could agree upon 
with the, the Players Association. You're not going to be able to do a full season in a bubble. That's not going to happen. You're not you're not going to see that in the NBA. You're not going to see that in the NHL. And there's no way that was going to happen in Major League Baseball. I mean, the NBA and the NHL, they're just getting it in just because they want to get the postseason money. And that's kind of like the same thing that baseball is doing. But the fact that baseball was able to adjust and understand that we weren't in a bubble and now you're going into a bubble, it was a smart thing to do. Now, I'm not sure exactly, and we haven't put anything out about J.B. and Wendelkin, right, Cody? Is that correct for, as an organization? No, nothing's been out that I've seen since yesterday whenever we got the, the press release and then it was all over Twitter about him being put on the I.L. with, uh, you know, no, we don't know what it is, but, uh, but yeah, I've, I haven't seen anything since yesterday, no. So if he did test positive for COVID, they wouldn't have played the game last night. That we can tell you. So something has happened, and we don't, I mean, they're not telling us. But the speculation is someone around him, someone who he possibly has been in contact with, has tested positive for COVID-19. And that's why you take him out of the bubble and you put him on the IL, and you put him in quarantine. And I'm sure it's going to happen again. It's just the reality of what we're dealing with with this virus. And that's why I think it's very key that baseball now goes into a bubble, and the playoff teams are are, are doing that, because it... it, it I, I don't who said it to us, the soft bubble, because it really is like a soft bubble. This isn't like everybody goes to Orlando to Disney World like the NBA or Edmonton or Toronto like the NHL. Everybody's going to play at home or you're going to be the road team in the wild card series. And then after that, you're going to head to Los Angeles, San Diego, Houston and Arlington. So it really is more of a soft bubble than it is a hard bubble. Wasn't that Brody, think, by the way? I think it was Brody Brazil that said that. Was it Brody Brazil? Yeah. It is true. I mean, a true bubble is you would take everybody right now and take them to a certain location, and you'd let it roll from there, and that's not happening. Cody, how much do you know how much the uh, NBA and the NHL has a lot of fa- – I think the NBA has allowed some family members, but did the NHL do that? I haven't seen anything with the NHL. I know the NBA had some stuff because I remember seeing people posting stuff on social media. Uh, forgive me for not following as closely along with the all that uh, with basketball and, and hockey. I've been watching the games, but I haven't seen. But I have. They haven't really shown a lot of families. But I think for the NBA, you can, you could have family in the bubble. Um, I'm not sure about how hockey was with Canada because we saw what's going on with. The Blue Jays are playing a Buffalo because they didn't want people flying in from the United States. So, if you're a lot of the obviously a lot of the teams in the bubble are from the United States, uh, as is the NHD Stanley Cup final, is two United States teams playing in the final. So, uh, I think it will be a little bit a little harder for the hockey to do it. But in basketball, I have seen, and I think they are allowing families in the bubble. All right, coming up next, what did we learn from last night? 
And then we really have to be impressed with the Blue Jays. We'll do that next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Well, it's Fan Appreciation Weekend presented by Southwest Airlines. And it's going to be cool. We're going to have some A's fans on the program today. And we're going to honor some of the great A's fans that we have who listen not only to A's Cast and A's Cast Live and also to all the games on NBC Sports California. Who are we going to have on today, Cody? We're going to have our, well, these are, I guess you could say they're our friends and they're going to be friends of the program. Uh, Rightfield James, uh, Brian, the I know him as the pin guy and also Ramon Laureano, super fan. Uh, Elena Matzorkis, our former co-worker at the uh, the old station and probably one of the most famous ace fans that be right field will will be on with us today as well we're celebrating ace fans because let's face it this has been a brutal year for fans we are so happy that we're able to come on and, and give you some levity during these times But the fact that, you know, for like season ticket holders, what you're going to hear from these people is the fact that going to A's games is like family to them. And I'm sure this is happening with 29 other teams to where you have fans that how they feel about the players, how they feel about the team, how they feel about the organization, and how they feel about the brand, it means so much to them. And the fact that, you know, they're used to going to X amount of games a season, and now they can't go to games. I mean, it's great to have a cardboard cutout, but that's not the same. And you think about how close our fans are from a standpoint of tailgating, seeing each other in the parking lot, seeing each other in the stadium, and doing it night in and night out for every homestand, and now you don't have that? I can't imagine how tough that is. So, Fan Appreciation Weekend, we are going to honor all of you great A's fans this weekend. We're all A's fans. But we're going to honor you this weekend because this has been a rough one. But the good thing is, it doesn't end this weekend. The playoffs are right around the corner. I need to salute the Buffalo Jays. No one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Jays. The Blue Jays, you know, certain organizations have had it tougher than others. Like nobody... And the National League West has had a positive COVID test, which is great. Other organizations, totally different. You think about the Marlins. You think about the Cardinals. You think about the Phillies. How about what Toronto has gone through? This is a young ball club with a lot of really good young talent that they were denied playing in their home ballpark. If you haven't been paying attention, the Blue Jays were not allowed to return to Toronto, Canada. They had to figure it out. Where are we going to play? 
there were talks about playing at their uh, ballpark down at spring training. There was talks about them sharing the ballpark, Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg. And in the end, they settled on Salem Field in Buffalo, their AAA ballpark. And they qualified for the playoffs yesterday. And I think that's a really big deal. And we we played the clip for you from Kevin Cash, Cody's friend, Cashy, about how tough and how we'll remember this season. And we'll look back and go, wow, this was really, really tough. And this was a grind. And, and I, I've said it multiple times now. There's going to be a lot of books written about this season, and there might be one about the Buffalo Blue Jays. Makeshift clubhouse locker rooms in the parking lot. I mean, you're playing at a AAA ballpark. They had to bring in lights because the lighting wasn't good enough. It wasn't uh, up to snuff for Major League Baseball. And through all of that, you make the playoffs? That's impressive. And I'm really happy for this young group of players who, by the way, they're going to be good for years to come. But the fact that they overcame all the obstacles and the A's are one of those teams also. Trust me, I'm sensitive. I understand when we look at, hey, they, you know, 16 guys struck out last night, and we had the numbers for you about, you know, since they reinstated ever since the Daniel Mingdon COVID-19 positive test, that they have not been good offensively. They really haven't been good offensively all year. You have to be sensitive to, you know what, the fact that they are AL West champs despite really no one other than a couple of guys you traded for have been really any good offensively. That's a reality. But look at what's going on. Look at what they're dealing with. Look at what they're going through. That's why I hope once postseason hits, everybody hits the reset button and all the numbers are at zero. Last night, though, was interesting. And we don't know, and hopefully we're going to know. What time is Bob Melvin talking today, Cody? Uh, actually, I think he's talking right now, so I'm trying to follow along on. Oh, that's early. Usually it's 4.30. Yeah, I think I think he was scheduled for 3.20. Uh, well, here it is right now. Here's some news. Uh, Bob Melvin's saying that Mike Miner and Paul Blackburn will start for the A's in a doubleheader tomorrow, and Montas is the probable starter on Sunday. That's the news. Well, I mean, that's all. That's the first thing that popped when I t- switched over to TweetDeck. That's the first thing that popped up was who's starting a doubleheader in Sunday. So Montas will not be starting in the wild card series. Who is going to start those three games? Are we going to get that information today? Maybe David Force will tell us at four thirty. You think we can get it out of him? We could do our best. David Force, the general manager of the A's at 430. That's going to be the question. Who's starting for the A's in the wild card series and what's the order? 
Do you think he'll possibly say we don't know yet? I think that's a possible. I, I I think there's so many different things that could come out of this. They don't know. They're waiting to see if it's Houston. They're waiting to see if it's Cleveland. There's so many different scenarios that they're probably going through right now. Uh, I don't think we'll get the answer today. I don't think we we might not find out till Sunday late in the afternoon, when the, maybe when the game's over. Then when we find out, because remember the A's are now the three seed again, so they're at the end of today they'd be playing Houston, but right now the Twins are the second seed, but they're a game ahead of the White Sox, and the White Sox are a game ahead of Cleveland. So really, Cleveland could pass the White Sox. The White it's a whole mess. I mean, it kind of being the A's and the Twins in the first round. We have no we have no idea. Well, and and one of the questions that came from last night's game is, Jesus Lazardo. is he the game one starter? Because if you threw yesterday, you're on target to throw on Tuesday. Or is Jesus Lazardo going to be the super weapon out of the bullpen? I think I know the answer to that because of what David Force has told us in the past is that he's a starter. Are you really going to put that much that much pressure on a kid that young who doesn't have that big a resume basically about stuff? And he came out yesterday, and it was not good to start with. And you know what's always funny about that is after you give up after you give it up, then you pitch better. People go, oh, but look what he did in the other two innings. You're like, well, uh, the pressure's not really on after you give up those runs in the other innings. Are they really going to go Jesus Lazardo to lead it off? Or what we have talked about, where he could be a super reliever if you need him in game one, he can come back in game three. I mean, literally... He can pitch in two out of the three. And reality is he could pitch in all three. What did it mean to you last night, Cody, when you saw him warming up and he came into the game? It made me think. Me being the guy that says he should pitch out of the bullpen, that's the first thing I thought of. But from what everything I read, it was one of those they wanted to keep him on track to start next week. And I get that, but I don't understand why you're bringing him into that game last night. It's a high I guess you could say it's a, it wasn't a high leverage situation, but maybe you're trying to simulate something like that. Cause it's the Dodgers. I, I just, I didn't, honestly, I didn't know what to think. I, I thought I texted you. I said, well, I'm thinking like, why, why is he in the game? And it just, it was just, it was really weird to see it. I'm glad. I mean, I can't say I'm glad they saw it. They brought him in, but it was interesting to me because I always thought after we heard so many times he's a starter going forward, he comes out and pitches out of the bullpen last night. So I will again. I'd love to see it in the first round that he pitches out of the bullpen. But I, I, I there's people that get paid a lot more money than I do to make those decisions. So and what do I know? I'm just a streaming schmuck. And well, you're a lower level employee. Uh, and Chris Bassett pitching today on turn to go for game two. But they're talking about limiting his innings. So could he still be the game one starter? I, w- I mean, we, you and I both agree we think he's the guy that should start game one. Like, we've already established that. But 
I think there's no question, but he's on turn right now because he could have gone yesterday. There was the day off. He could have gone yesterday on turn that would have lined him to be the game one starter on Tuesday, and they didn't do that. You could have pushed Mike Fires back. You could have pushed Mike back till Saturday. If Mike's not going to be a starter for game one, two, or three, you could have pushed him back to the weekend. Yeah. You could have had Bassett go on Thursday. You could have had Lazardo go on Friday. And that would have lined up for game one and two. I mean, Manaya now, let's just say Manaya's game one. He's going to have extra rest, which I don't understand at this point. These guys don't need extra rest. They don't want it. I mean, when 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 you're at two months, you're like peaking at this point as a starter. You don't want extra time. You want to stay on your routine. So that is my big question going into this. How much are you going to take the three starters that gonna that are going to go one, two, and three? How much are you going to take them off their routine? I mean, is it a sign that Bass is still pitching tonight and they didn't change it up on him? And I mean, you, I, like, again, you took it a little bit out of the routine for Lazardo having him climb the bullpen, but I get you want to get him work. That makes sense. Going back to Bassett for a second, you know he's second among all starters in the month of September in ERA with a .46 ERA in a minimum of 15 innings. He has a career-high three-game start winning streak, and the A's have won 12 of his last 16 starts dating back to 2019. So – Bass has been the A's best starter this year, and I we both agree that he should be the guy that starts game one, but we don't know, and I'm still monitoring Twitter uh, of what's going on. I haven't seen anything yet uh, besides like, who's starting the the games this weekend. So if I see anything, I'll let you know. Then if not, we'll try to pry it out of David Force, which we probably won't get that either because he's got their – Oh, we got we, we got to get it out of him. Bill Moriarty is going to join us here coming up, and we're going to talk about the alternate site. As, uh, the alternate site is done. We thought that it was going to go through the playoffs, but once they decided to go to a bubble, that changed everything. We heard from Scott Emerson down at Chavez Ravine that there's six position players and there's six pitchers that are with the team, and that is the bubble, and everybody goes home. So Bill was able to speak with the great, Fran Reardon, friend of the program, and we'll find out how that site ended up. And it was so key that you got your top players, whether it was players that are going to help you now or help you next year, and your great future players to be able to help you inside that bubble. And Bill joins us now. Bill, we're just talking about the alternate site and just how critical it was that you kept the the veteran guys that could help you this year and really are going to be a part of your organization next year and make sure that your top prospects, let's face it, that they're they're not around for a year. And and I always think of this, Bill, we've all been young. The last thing I want to do is give a young kid like eight who's like 18 a couple million dollars 
and not have him around. I want him around, right? Wouldn't you want that kid <laughs> around and be able to see how that kid's progressing? Definitely. I, I wouldn't want any 18-year-old that I've invested millions of dollars in to have too much free time on his hands if it were up to me. <laughs> I, I'm sure you know how you were when you were 18, and I know how I was when I was 18. It probably wouldn't be a great idea. But I'll tell you, that's the one theme that kept coming up in all my conversations, whether it was with Fran Reardon or Ed Sprague or Rick Rodriguez. They talked about how great it was to have the young kids be around the older veterans in camp. They all really think that for the younger kids, this is probably a better experience than they would have had. Guys like Tyler Soderstrom, Robert Pauson, Brian Buelvis, they're all 18 years old and they've been around these veteran players, you know, and they've been able to absorb so much from these guys that they just think it's a much better experience than they would have had maybe playing in the Arizona League, you know, or playing half a season in Vermont. Now, the flip side to that, kind of the downside, though, is you've got older guys like maybe a Sheldon Noisy type who he would have been back at AAA for his third year. He would have had a chance to, you know, get hot and maybe impress and and you know, force the front office to give him a chance to, to get a roster spot sometime during the season. Maybe he goes a month hitting 350 in Vegas and they say, hey, we got to get this guy's bat up here while he's hot. But if there's no minor league games and he's in the alternate camp, he doesn't have a chance to prove himself and force his way on the roster. So I think it might be a great experience for the younger guys, particularly long term. But some of the older guys who maybe would have been playing in AAA this year, you know, it, it's rough for them to have lost that year where they really could have opened some eyes and really impressed people. You know, you've studied this and I think this is a very tough question and I don't know if you're going to have the answer, but how much does COVID-19 and the shutdown of minor league baseball in 2020 affect minor league baseball going forward for the next couple of years? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, as you know, everything's still in flux. I mean, you know, the A's don't even know if they're going to be able to sell major league tickets, you know, to, to games next April yet. And, and the minor leagues, it's even a more precarious situation. And a lot of people forget we were in the midst of this whole minor league contraction plan and negotiation before COVID hit too. The, the agreement between the major leagues and the minor leagues actually expires at the end of this month on September 30th. And they're negotiating now. They're probably not going to get to a deal before that. I, I expect probably be sometime in October, but we're going to have so much change in the minor leagues. We're going to have probably 25% of the affiliated teams eliminated, which means we're also going to have about 25% of minor league players in each uh, organization eliminated. So there's going to, and things are going to be restructured. Leagues are going to be re reorganized. And then we've got COVID on top of it. So if you're a minor league owner right now, <laughs> you know, you're, you're really in a more precarious situation than you've ever been. You have no idea what your season is going to look like next year. So when you talk to Fran Reardon to end this thing, which, by the way, we thought the alternate site was going to go throughout yeah. the playoffs. But once it went to the bubble, that was going to change. What was the one thing he was impressed by when we talk about the older players, the more major league ready players, how this affected them? Well, I can tell you, uh, uh, you know, they, they were originally talking about keeping the camp going as long as the major league team was playing. But then the the expanded taxi squad thing came up and then the instructional leagues getting open in Arizona. So so that all changed a little bit. But I'll tell you, the one thing that that Fran Reardon told me was that the, the player who most impressed him, who he thought was the single best hitter in the alternate camp 
was Luis Barrera, outfielder Luis Barrera. Hasn't played above double A yet. He played in Midland. He probably would have been at least in the second half this year in triple A, but he said flat out he was the best hitter in camp and that for him, at least, this camp really helped him open some eyes in the organization. He said that Barrera hit about 450 over about 90 at-bats in the alternate camp, and he just raved about his ability to handle the bat, his contact skills. And Barrera was with the A's early on in spring training, and Fran said that Bob Melvin had told him how impressed he was with him, too. So for some of the older guys, they were able to open eyes. It wasn't a situation where they could force themselves onto the major league roster, maybe, but but they did open some eyes in the organization. And besides Barrera, the other guy that uh, Reardon really raved about was another outfielder, Greg Dykeman, um, who he said, you know, everyone was really impressed with him, particularly the power he showed now that he's healthy. He's had a lot of injury issues. Last year in the Arizona Fall League, he was healthy and he led the league in home runs, said he looked great in camp. So he said Luis Ferreira and Greg Dykeman, who are both outfielders who are in the current higher ranks of the system right now, were the two most exciting players in camp. So, you know, it's entirely possible we could see those guys, you know, getting a chance with the A's somewhere before next season is through. And what's interesting is they're such different players. Barrero is a speedy guy, fast guy, contact guy, you know, very much kind of like Jorge Mateo with with better contact skills. And then Dykeman is a big slugging guy with big power. They're both left-handed hitters. But, you know, they they, they definitely opened eyes in the organization. And, you know, maybe before the end of next year, if there's an opening uh, one way or another, you, you, you could end up seeing him in Oakland somewhere along the line. Did you say contact? What does that mean? What is contact? <laughs> I know that's a long forgotten concept. <laughs> but I think that's I think that's why people like Fran Reardon and Bob Melvin rave about a guy when they see a guy who can put the bat the bat on the ball so regularly. They don't see that very often, and they're like, "Wow, I really like you know, I really like this." You know, we we need more of this. <laughs> you know what's interesting is is normally there are so many players and there's so many coaches. And now you shrink it down. These players had such an opportunity to showcase themselves to a, to an organization, probably more than any players that we've seen in many, many years. Yeah, well, I can tell you, and, and for some of the younger guys, too, like um, outfielder Brian Buelvis, he's an 18-year-old from Columbia, made his first uh, U.S. pro debut last year in the Arizona League, and now he's in this camp with all these coaches and, and staff, and they're all raving about him. They're all absolutely in love with this kid. And, you know, a lot of these people, you know, the Fran Reardons wouldn't have been seeing him even, you know. Yeah. And, you know, Ed Sprague probably would have been, you know, not had quite so many eyes on him and all these other people. So these young, some of these young kids have really had a chance to impress. And if you come into a camp as an 18-year-old and you've got a great attitude and you're willing to listen to the coaches and work with them, you know, these – these guys are going to like you. And as you know, in any career, if, if your bosses like you and think you got a good attitude and you got what it takes, it's, it's going to move you forward. And, and these guys, these young guys have had a chance to put themselves in front of the decision makers more in this camp than they would have if they were playing games, you know, somewhere out in an affiliate. What veteran guy do you think helped himself the most? Uh, that's a tough question. Um, I'd say, well, I, I just kind of go back. I mean, it depends on how you define veteran, you know? <laughs> but you got to realize, uh, Luis Barrera, I think is 24 going on 25. And I think Greg Dykeman is 25 going on 26. These guys are not young, you know? Yep. And, uh, so, so they're more mature. And I think those two really lit people up among, among the older players. And then some of the pitchers too, where they came into camp and they had a chance to, you know, work on new things, which you wouldn't be able to do quite so much 
much during a competitive season. So a lot of people have had really good things to say about Grant Holmes, the improvement on his curveball. Uh, Fran Reardon had managed him at Midland in 2017, and he hadn't really managed him since then. And Fran said the Grant Holmes I saw in camp was just head and shoulders above the Grant Holmes that I managed at, at Midland in 2017. And then people also talked about a, a pitcher like Parker Dunshee, who was always kind of a finesse pitcher, um, you know, had to be very exact and precise to, to, to get the job done. And he's added a few miles an hour to his fastball. And, you know, that gives you a whole different look out of a guy. Suddenly all that off-speed stuff <laughs> is a lot harder to, to, to get to when his fastball is improved. So I know in terms of older pitchers, Parker Dunshee and Grant Holmes seem to be making a lot of progress. You know, a lot of people are are looking forward to this. They're not young anymore, but it, what, what what the Las Vegas Aviators rotation was going to be. Yep. You know, and now you know Caprellian is back is back because of uh, JB Wendelkin uh, going on the IL. What are your expecta- expectations for these guys? Do you see them really as big league take the ball every five day starters? Yeah, well, you know, it'll be interesting. You never really know for certain until they get there. But definitely Caprillion, Jeffries, and Holmes are sort of the top pitching prospects still in the system at the upper ranks. They were going to be the heart of that AAA rotation this year. And, you know, that's a real test. They Those guys have not pitched regularly, even in AAA. You know, they a couple of them have gotten a start or two there, and that was it. So this would have been the big test for them this year. Instead, some of them have gotten their first taste of the major leagues before they really even got much time in AAA. So I think next year you're probably going to see those guys where they would have been this year, at the heart of the AAA rotation. And how they perform there will really – will really indicate, you know, what kind of opportunity they're going to get at the major league level. But I can tell you that I did talk to Fran Reardon about Dalton Jeffrey's start, you know, for Oakland. And, you know, he said, you know, that first start, that first major league start is a big deal. There's a lot going on in your head. You know, (laughs) there's a lot of nerves going along with that. He said, but you know what? When you get that first one out of the way, the next time you go out there, it's a whole different ball game, you know. So he expected to see much better things from Dalton Jeffries when he gets a chance again. But I think if you're looking at pitchers who would be the next in line to potentially step into an A's rotation or at least have a chance to compete, it's certainly those three guys, Caprillion, Jeffries, Holmes, without a doubt. Those are the three pitchers at the top uh, of the higher ranks of the system uh, that, that would have the next opportunity. And then it's just up to them. How do they perform on the big league stage you know we talked to Fran about Tyler Soderstrom and it, it makes me feel really old because I played against his old man uh, <laughs> at Fresno State and then I called games for the San Jose Giants when he was there and Steve Soderstrom was a great player and ended up playing for the San Francisco Giants and we had Steve on when his son got drafted and we also had Tyler on but you know he's been working out with big leaguers down at Steve's at his baseball school down there in the valley And they rave about this kid. And I just wonder if he is going to be that good of a stick. Yeah. How much do you really want him behind the dish? Right. Mostly enough that that you could move him. I Mm. mean, and they're talking about his bat. I mean, you're you're coming out of high school competing against guys who are triple A guys. That, that, that says a lot about your talent. Yeah, no, that's absolutely a really key question. And I've been trying to to pick up on, read between the lines of things that people have said to me. I was told that I, I'm trying to remember the number, but I think he hit four, five, six home runs maybe in the alternate camp, you know, for an 18 year old and everybody to a man raves about his maturity, but also Fran Reardon said, 
you know, he goes to the plate with a plan, with an approach. He said, there's a lot of guys five years older than him that don't have that kind of plan or approach going to the plate. So he definitely is a mature hitter. And, you know, I know everybody talks about wanting to stick with him as a catcher and wanting to develop him as a catcher. And that's great because that adds value. But I think, I, I think Fran called it a work in progress. And, you know, I, I think they're willing, they, they want to push the catching thing with him. If he works out as a catcher, great. But I kind of get the sense that in the back of people's minds, they have that idea that if the, if the bat advances fast enough and he's not quite there as a catcher, they know there are other options to push that bat forward. No one's directly come out and said that. They all say we're working with him as a catcher. But I, I'm pretty sure that in the back of these guys' minds, they're looking at that bat and thinking, you know, that might be way ahead of the other tool and we might need to do whatever we can to, to get it there if and when it's ready. I'm I'm not necessarily trying to push him away as a catcher. I'm just looking at Sean Murphy. Sean yeah. Murphy's what twenty five years old, and if he's going to be a legit big league catcher, well then Soderstrom's going to be blocked at that position. There's no question about it because Sean right. Murphy should be a guy that has seven eight years. Ideally, we know Oakland sometimes doesn't like to keep players, but we're <laughs> we're, we're talking about keeping players at this point. Um, and they got, they got Murphy under control for years. If his bat is that advanced, you're going to have to move him. Right. And you know, Jonah Himes, no slouch either. You know, these yeah. are a couple of young guys that they've got control over for, you know, half a dozen years here if they want. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's obviously more valuable if you can develop the guy as a catcher, you know, I mean, that's a valuable position and you can always trade somebody. There's always deals to be made. We're talking about the A's here after all. So that's quite possible. But I think, yeah, I mean, if you've got his bat and it's developing and it looks like it's major league ready, but you feel the catching skills aren't quite refined enough, you're going to have to find a spot for him, you know, wherever it is on the diamond. I don't think they're going to hold up a bat, you know, that, that looks potentially as good as his. And I mean, to a man everybody really does rave about his his approach at the plate and his maturity at the plate and his ability to hit even just as an 18 year old you know which is amazing in and of itself you know being the editor-in-chief of athletics farm uh you study the a's farm system we get these rankings all the time i i don't know what to put into those rankings like do I really know how good the Phillies farm system is versus the Brewers or the Rays or the Rangers? Really, how good is the A's system, in your opinion? I mean, I'd say right now we are generally somewhere middle of the pack. You know, it, um, the, the thing was for years, Lazardo, Murphy and Puck have been the top prospects. And those are, you know, very high end prospects. And now most of those guys anyway, are still are graduating to the major leagues, Murphy and Lazardo puck due to the injury. He's still maintaining prospect status. But once you get beyond those three guys, you've got a lot of good players, interesting players, nice players, but you don't have that top tier. You know, it's hard to say who would be the A's top prospect. If you take out Murphy, Puck and Lazardo, you know, who rockets to number one. There's not anyone that really jumps out as a true number one. So you've got a lot of, you know, guys in the middle, maybe like your Nick Allens or your Logan Davidson's or your Robert Palson, who's still very young, uh, maybe a Brian Buelvis, or you throw a Dykeman or a Barrera in there. But but again, they're kind of, you know, maybe three, four, five on a normal prospect list, not one, two. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's a mid range. It's not great. It's not 
terrible, but one reason it's not as good as it could be is because the A's are graduating players off the top of that list into the major leagues, you know, which is the point after all. But it's going to be it's going to be really hard to do those prospect rankings this offseason because none of these guys had a chance to play anywhere. So you know, yeah. it's going to be really tough to evaluate. I, I right now I have no idea who would be my number one A's prospect. But, you know, something that is kind of interesting is that with the instructional league camp opening, a lot of you know, the minor league staff is kind of looking at that as almost a, a sort of pseudo minor league game situation where they can kind of get to see these guys in action playing other teams and stuff. And the interesting thing there is that um, Austin Beck has been invited to, to the instructional league camp, but Lazaro Armateras hasn't, you know, so he Lazaro wasn't at the alternate camp. He's not going to be the instructional camp. So that's a lot of time on the sidelines for him. And I know Austin Beck was not happy about not being invited to the alternate camp. Almost every team's recent number one picks were invited to the camps. And he was one of the few who was not and he was not thrilled about that. So he's going to get a chance to go into the instructional league camp with a bit of a chip on his shoulder, I think, with something to prove. And, you know, maybe it's not so bad that sometimes guys got got a chip on their shoulder and got something to prove. Sometimes it works out pretty well. It worked out well for Ryan Healy when they decided to leave him behind at double-A and promoted everyone else. Um, so hopefully uh, hopefully, some of these guys that weren't at the alternate camp can get a chance to um, get on track in the instructional league and and prove themselves and and make it a little easier for us to who do prospect lists to, to do our prospect list next year. <laughs> All right, scale one to ten on worry. Worry at one is you're not worried. Ten, you're pressing the panic button. Where are you on AJ Puck? Oh boy. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm waffling. I'm probably around a five in the middle. Here's the thing. A lot of times when guys come Only back, only a five. Well, I'll tell you why. Let me tell you why. Why why I still have hope. Why? um, Because sometimes when guys come back from Tommy John surgery, there are these other sort of ancillary issues they have, whether it's a shoulder or something else. And when they went into a shoulder, apparently it wasn't too bad. They just had to, you know, clean up some stuff in there. It wasn't like a major reconstructive surgery. So it could be, you know, one of these typical things like Jeffries had problems. Caprillion had problems after the Tommy John. They had to have other stuff done. So. If that's the case, then great. He could get back to it. You know, if we got something else that pops up next spring, you know, yeah. then I'm then I'm hitting the panic button. You know, yeah. <laughs> so I got one more chance before I'm hitting the panic button. They get they get one procedure after Tommy John. That, that's OK. But then after that, <laughs> you get one one free card there. And then after that, it's panic button time. So right now we're still in a holding pattern with with AJ. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is it, it's scary times when you and we have done a good job talking about it here, especially with Chris Bassett about how hard it is to come back from Tommy John surgery, because yeah. at one point they, 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 they made it seem like, Oh, you're getting a new, new arm. You know, you get Tommy John surgery and you're back in less than a year and you're throwing harder than ever before. And now it doesn't work like that. <laughs> and, and it takes some time. And we, we talked to Kendall Graveman about it. I mean, it, this is a brutal process. And then yeah. as you mentioned, you know, are you doing stuff in your delivery to where it's going to cause you to have an injury somewhere else? And it's like, you know, we have all these brilliant young arms, but unfortunately, so many of them are going under the knife. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely happens. And like you said, it's a longer process than people think. Chris Bassett, he came back from Tommy John, and he was able to pitch okay, but he was, you know, kind of looked like a mediocre pitcher, maybe a long reliever, you stick him in the pen. And then, but you give him a couple years after, and suddenly he looks like he could be the best pitcher on the staff. You know, it it does take some time. And and I think it's key what guys are doing are, are is there something in their motion or the way they throw that's going to cause more injuries or is it just that something needs to be cleaned up so far with puck it sounds like there was just some stuff in there that needed to be cleaned up hopefully that's the case you never know for sure but caprillion he didn't pitch after his tommy john for two and a half years he didn't take a mound for two and a half years and then boom, like that, he's in the major leagues, you know? So, so, I mean, he hasn't established his place there yet, but you know, things can change fast after a long bout of hurdles after Tommy John, you can get it together and move forward again. We just hope that that's the case with, with AJ Puck, because if he's healthy, you know, obviously he can, he can be a huge weapon along with Lazardo and the rest of the guys the A's have there. Well, obviously you do a great job for us on A's cast and let's end on this. What are you going to be focusing on once this season ends with these young players? Well, I'll tell you, for me, the main focus now is going to be, and, and, and uh, if, if we talk again anytime in the, in the near future, it would probably be about this whole minor league contraction and restructuring thing, because this is not only just going to affect teams, this is going to affect players. Again, you're going to have a lot of minor league players released, cut. You know, a lot of them might be younger guys, guys that would be considered filler players, but it also may be older veteran guys who haven't broken through yet and, and need to be protected. And also you're going to have a lot of these players pushed higher in the system. They're going to be moved along more aggressively because you're going to have fewer affiliates, fewer players. And I think a lot of these guys that were wondering where they're going to end up, the team's probably going to be more aggressive. And there, you know, if, if you're, if you, if you could potentially help the major league team anywhere in the near future, they're just going to probably move you right up to AAA and have you there because there's not going to be so many places to stash guys. And, you know, we've lost a lot of time. So I'm just interested to see what happens with minor league contraction, where the A's affiliates are going to be, what players are going to be cut. And, uh, you know, and, and hopefully we can have a normal spring training going on where we can get all these guys back in action and see what they're really like on the field at that point. Hey, great stuff as always. And thank you for everything you do for A's cast. Great. Thanks. Always good talking to you, Chris. Take care, Bill. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a wild offseason. You got a CBA that's going to be negotiated between the players and the players union. Uh, if you believe the experts, COVID-19 is not going anywhere anytime soon. A complete change in the minor league system. Let's just say things going forward are not going to be dull. Are you calling Brian, by the way? I am. And the you in man. In a second, uh, I will. You mentioned how everything's going to be different. One thing that's not going to change came up right as our show started. Giancarlo Stanton will not opt out of his contract with the Yankees, the seven years <laughs> that are still left. So he will be a Yankee right, for the foreseeable it. future. You never asked me buying or selling if he would opt out. And I would have told you exactly he would not opt out. Yeah, I, it literally came out as our show was starting. It said on there, um, 
from the MLB Network that he still has seven years, $18 million, $218 million left, and he is not opting out of his deal with the Yankees. So, because right now, if he went on the free agent market, someone would pay him seven years, $218 million. Yeah, pass. Uh, I don't know who. Yeah. I don't know who's sorry. I'm calling Brian, but I don't know who would uh, who'd even think about <laughs> signing him to a deal like that again. Who is the last guy? Was it A-Rod who opted out of a big contract? Yeah, it had to have been. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think more recently, but I don't think it's he real. opted out. His deal was like 200-something million, and then he opted out for like 300-something million, and the Yankees were dumb enough to do it. Well, actually, they got that. They got that. They got their World Series in 2009. Actually, technically, didn't Strasburg opt out to get a bigger deal with the Nationals? <laughs> but he didn't leave. He just yeah. got a different deal. Brian Johansson, Brian. the pin man. You see him out in left field. Brian, it's Chris Towns with the Oakland A's. How are you? I'm doing fabulous. How are you doing, Uncle? Well, we are doing wonderful, and it's Fan Appreciation Weekend presented by Southwest Airlines. And when we think about A's fans and A's great fans, you came to mind. We had to have you on the final regular season show here on A's Cast Live. Man, thank you so much. I'm blown away by that. I'm, I'm flattered and uh, completely honored. Well, your pin collection... So I got into pin trading, taking my girls to Disneyland, as that's a big thing at Disneyland. So I understand all about it. And then when you bring your vest up, the amount of pins through all the years that you have, uh, th- I mean, it's amazing what you've collected. And it's not like you're that old. Well, I mean, no, I'm, 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 I'm almost hitting 40. But, uh, but I've been collecting since the 80s, and that's when it started with the A's. But, uh I, I hope your daughters still have those uh, those pins I got you because I went out and looked for some Disney uh, Disney A's crossover pins and I gave them a few you know as collectibles so hopefully they still got those ones. Oh, they are on their lanyards and they are not allowed to trade. They're not allowed to trade those at Disneyland. They can only trade Disney pins. They can't trade the A's pins, nor would they because they're huge A's fans. And that was really a great gesture by you to give them to them. And I've actually mentioned it to Dave Cavill. I'd love to bring that back. Pin trading at the Coliseum again would be cool. Yeah, you know, we actually started it up, you know, last season. It was it was small towards the halfway through the year, and we actually got a small board going. So, actually, uh, they did donate one, and then I went went ahead and swapped out, like, about 100 pins because they, they came with all MLB teams on it. And so I said, no, we can't have that. So I took all those off and then went into my double stash and then just put a bunch of ace pins on there and actually got it going towards the end of the year. And so hopefully, you know, uh, when fans are allowed back in, we get some sort of normalcy back, um, you know, that, that board will still be there. I've, I've been assured it will, though. How tough has it been for you to not be able to go to A's games? Um, it's tough. I mean, baseball is it's, – it's a part of your life. You know, you, you know, with me, I'm married. I have a three-year-old son. Um, outside of them, I mean, I have baseball, you know, it's, it's baseball is a season, you know, you have, uh, you know, you have winter, you have fall, and then you have baseball season. So, I mean, it's like a part of you that's missing. Um, it's a, it's a routine. It's a daily thing you do. I mean, there's so much preparation that leads up to the year and there's so much stuff you do within the year. And then, um, and then just your rituals and routines when you're at the game, um, you know, you, you miss all that. You miss those little things, uh, 
that 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 only happened within the, within the baseball park for me. You know, it's obviously searching for pins and stuff like that. Uh, but for so many people, I mean, it's tailgating, it's a camaraderie amongst the fans. Um, you know, seeing like the likes of you and and Fossey, you know, walking through the corridors and just being able to just be there. I mean, it's 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 like a whole you know a whole part of you is missing. Yeah, but you know the good thing is though, I I think for this year and, and you know following you on Twitter and we know how much you like Ramon Laureano and what a big home run that was against Blake Trinan. I I think the best thing is for us is that they're winning and they're winning and they won the West and they got a chance to go deep in the playoffs. And I think you know with this crazy season, as much as we can't be there, it's really all we can ask for. Yeah, and I mean, and a big hats off to you guys because I mean, you you guys have put together uh, something amazing for the fans. Uh, while baseball, we can't physically be there. I mean, it feels like we're there uh, with the presence of A's cast and what you guys do throughout the week and putting the shows together and bringing the guests in. So there is a sense of normalcy in that aspect. Um, and and yes, uh, not seeing Ramon that's 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 also a huge thing. I, I neglected to mention that. I didn't want to come off. Uh, <laughs> too fanboyish but yeah definitely not seeing Ramon man that sucks <laughs> yeah I mean it that trust me everybody knows anybody who's a true ace fan they know how much you love the the, the laser I got no idea how, why that would be <laughs> <laughs> hey well thank you for coming on we just wanted to say hello we miss seeing you up in the treehouse and we're just trying to honor a lot of our great A's fans, and you're definitely one of them. How loyal you've been to the A's, to the brand, to A's cast. We truly appreciate it. Be safe, be well with the family, and hopefully we'll see you soon. And, oh, by the way, at some point, I'm going to put a little party together for all of us up at the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. Hey, I'll be there in Uncle Townie. Thank you, Commander. It's a pleasure. I'm honored. Thank you guys so much for what you do. Take care. All right, you too. Just talking to some of our great fans. It's Fan Appreciation Weekend presented by Southwest Airlines. Good to talk to them. I mean, I miss these people. These are guys that I see literally every single game up in the treehouse. I'm not like Cody. I'm not like Ray Fossey or Glenn Kuyper, who we're going to talk to in a little bit, or Kent Korak or Vince Catronio, and they hang out in the press box. I'm in the treehouse. I see these people every day. Not like you, Cody, with your free press meal and you're hanging out with all the celebrities in the press room. I'm with the people out in the treehouse. Well, if, I mean, I am hanging out with the celebrity. I am. I do usually hang out with the face of uh, the former face of A's All Night, the great Alex Jensen, the face of the Stockton Ports. That's who I usually hang out with in the press box. Uh, and then Ray Fossey and Ken and Vince, but yeah, I mean you're you're the man of the people. Everyone's ex- always excited to see you up there. I've I've gone up there a few times to see when I come to games when I'm not working, uh, which is weekends pretty much. So uh, I'm glad we're honoring the fans. There's a lot of great ones. I mean, um, we we didn't get a chance to get to James yet, but James is texting me. He's like, "So did I get bumped from the show?" I'm like, "No, no, we'll we'll get you on. Don't worry. You're all getting in." But before we get in the fans, Aaron Goldsmith is going to join us next, TV broadcaster for the Seattle Mariners, and he's doing what? He's doing Rays Phillies for Fox over the weekend? Yeah, he's doing it tomorrow, actually, for Fox, Rays Phillies. So 
one of our many friends of the program from the Mariners will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Some things just go together. Peanut butter and jelly, cookies and milk, Oakland and Kaiser Permanente. If that last one caught you off guard, it shouldn't, because Kaiser Permanente has been helping keep Oakland healthy since our very beginning. And as the official healthcare partner of the Oakland A's, that won't be changing anytime soon. Whatever you may need, you can trust Kaiser Permanente to help keep you feeling your best. Kaiser Permanente. Thrive. Visit kp.org today. This is Chris Townsend for the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. If you're looking for some beautiful outdoor dining, then look no further than the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. Come try the world-famous Chicken Pie Dinner that has been served in Southern California for over 80 years and one of the most dynamic menus in Walnut Creek. The Chicken Pie Shop also has a full takeout menu and delivery. You go to chickenpieshopwc.com. That's chickenpieshopwc.com. Don't forget, they can also deliver beer, wine, and spirits. You go to chickenpieshopwc.com. Hey, A's fans, this is Jesus Lizardo. Swung on and missed. High fastball blows him away. Lizardo, one, two, three, it's out for the first. I want to give a special shout-out to all you watching from home. Thanks for all your support throughout the season. To reduce the risk of wildfires, PG&E may proactively turn off power when severe weather is forecast. Here are four ways to prepare before a power shutoff. Update your contact information at pge.com slash mywildfirealerts so we can reach you. Plan for medical needs like medications that need to be refrigerated or devices that require power. Pack or restock your emergency supply kit. Ensure backup power sources are safe to operate. To learn more, visit safetyactioncenter.pge.com. The Lexus NX is crafted to take on the modern adventure called life. Alexa, what's the quickest route home? With Amazon Alexa compatibility and the advanced Lexus safety system, the Lexus NX is modern utility for the modern world. Because modern obstacles require modern solutions. See your Northern California Lexus dealer. Amazon Alexa and all related logos are trademarks of Amazon.com Inc. or its affiliates. Not all Amazon Alexa functionality is available for in-vehicle use. Broadcasting from the town, A's Cast Live continues. And that one has hit well to center field. Bellinger going back and that baby is gone. So the A's are on the board as Murphy drills one straightaway center field for his seventh home run of the year. That was a call of the game yesterday by Glenn Kuyper, who will join this program at 5 o'clock on NBC Sports California. For live streaming A's games, get the My Teams app by NBC Sports. Plus tons of A's articles, features, videos, and more. Download My Teams by NBC Sports Now, the app for the authentic A's fan. Aaron Goldsmith is a national TV broadcaster for Fox Sports and also the Seattle Mariners. He joined us earlier here today on A's Cast Live. Well, Aaron, it's been a while. Uh, how is life in the Pacific Northwest, especially from your office? <laughs> well, Chris, it's good to see you. Good to talk to you, man. Yeah, uh, fall is officially here. It's been raining nonstop in Seattle for the last 48 hours, which feels just like a warm pair of slippers, man. We're just right back in the groove of things. <laughs> What has this season been like for you as someone, you know, as a, a television guy to be doing everything from your office? It has to be so weird. You know, it's um, it's odd, man. It's It's been a bizarre year. You know, our setup has been for whether it be radio or TV for home and road games. We're doing everything from the ballpark this year. So we're driving to T-Mobile and we're calling games off monitors and it's 
it's not that bad. It's not great, but it hasn't been that bad. I think we're all uh, grateful for what we got. You know, the funny thing is, man, I'm sure you guys can relate to this. Um, I, I love my job more every year I do it. And I'm, I'm so grateful for the job. And this is a year that we'll never forget. And I'm going to, I'm going to look forward to regular baseball uh, more than I ever have, hopefully next year. But as out of a season as it was, uh, I know you guys are in the same boat. I'm just thrilled that we were able to watch some baseball this season, especially with the postseason right around the corner. Yeah, we think of Safeco, but now T-Mobile. Like, you can't wait to get back to this place, right? Yeah, it's a, as you guys know, it's a beautiful ballpark. And it's uh, it has obviously struggled to draw consistent fans in recent years with some kind of blips here and there of, of really strong play for the Mariners for one half or another. Uh, but the Mariners are building something, and I've given it a lot of uh, – I mean, I, I am a Mariners team employee, uh, but I've given it some uh, pretty critical thought. And the Mariners are doing th- doing it the right way, and we've seen kind of the first wave of those prospects hit the scene this year. You guys have seen them, guys like Justice Sheffield, uh, who you'll see in the series, guys like Kyle Lewis, who I think it's a, a – a deadlock to win rookie of the year now in the American league. So we're seeing the first wave and there's a second wave and there's a third wave after that. And that's what gives, I think a lot of people in Seattle hope for the future. You know, when I think about the Mariners, it really is shocking to me because you you think that there was that time when, when we were growing up, when you had, you had Griffey, you had a rod, you had the big unit you had so many, Jay Buhner, you had all these guys, Edgar Martinez. We're talking about Hall of Famers, great players. And to think that, you know, then Ichiro showed up, we'll never forget. It looks like something out of Star Wars, right? One of the great calls of all time from Dave Niehaus. And then to think that the, they have not been in the playoff. You guys haven't been in the playoff since 01. That's like crazy to think that that has happened. It is amazing. I mean, to your point, like if you made a Mount Rushmore for all 30 teams in baseball – I mean, the Mariners, Mount Rushmore, could hang with anybody. In fact, it, it would knock no a doubt. lot of teams off when you take, look at the all-time great star power the Mariners have had. Uh, but you're right. It has been uh, nearly a two-decade-long drought. When you look at what's going on right now with the Mariners, and we knew, even with the expanded playoffs, that the Mariners weren't going to compete for a, a World Series or possibly even a postseason run this year, which is what made the Mariners officially were eliminated last night. But I, I think the Mariners played far better than almost anyone anyone would have anticipated this year for a a host of different reasons but the Mariners are finally looking like they're on the cusp of having a new Mount Rushmore not guys that are going to knock off some of the names that you just referenced but you now have faces of a franchise that you can see start to develop Kyle Lewis is one of those guys Uh, there are a couple of them on the cusp waiting in the minor leagues you have I mean, Jared Kelnick, who is a, a top 10 prospect in baseball, when he makes his debut next year, I mean, that will be the most anticipated homegrown debut for a position player since A-Rod. I don't, like, I don't, think, wow. there's, I don't think there's any question about it. Um, and you would have said that about Kyle Lewis, but Kyle went through so many things in the minors injury-wise. He lost so much time because of a, a brutal knee injury he suffered in his earliest days as a professional, that his the circus around Kyle Lewis's debut was kind of deadened some because, I mean, he was like a 260 hitter in double-A when he got called up, and his numbers didn't really sparkle. But once he got to the major league scene, they have, and he's going to win Rookie of the Year. And now you, you're, we actually said the other day during a commercial break, we were talking in the booth, and we're like, 
you know, is in like two or three years, is Kyle Lewis going to be like a top 10 player in the American League? And I don't know if he is, and he might not be, but man, he might be. Like, he really might be a top 10 player in the American League in a couple of years. Like, that's how good of a, of a player he is, both offensively and as we've seen this year defensively. So, big cornerstones have been put into place this year for the Mariners, and, and they're already producing. It's not just a, man, I think if he does this or this, that might happen. Like, we're seeing it right now, which is really encouraging. You know, I got to say this. For some of the teams that in a normal year would have been rebuilding, had a real shot this year. I think I like Mariners and I think about the Orioles and certain teams that competed all the way to the end that the COVID-19 season is going to be bad for everybody. And we'll look back and see it in so many different ways, but teams that normally were rebuilding, some of them have competed to the end and the Mariners are one of them. Yeah. I mean, the, that's the amazing thing. I mean, the Mariners were clearly rebuilding. I mean, yes. clearly like this is, obvious to even the casual fan even if you read nothing about the team and yet i mean better than the angels better than the rangers i mean you look inside the mariners and the a's division when you look inside the west i mean to me the the rangers is just like what what's the plan guys what's going on what are you doing i mean it's just it seems like so in the middle i know that kluber went down and there was and that's a big hole to fill but the Angels, it's like, tell me the last, tell me the last homegrown, developed main Angel starting pitcher that made an every five day impact for that ball club. Like, like, like it hasn't happened, and they have the best player in the universe, an all time player, and then they've got one of the top ten players in the American League right now in Rendon as well. And the Mariners are better. Uh, I'm not saying the Mariners aren't a flawed team right now in their current state. They certainly are, and everybody, I mean, people know that, but. What the Mariners were able to do with whilst developing young players was pretty remarkable. And I think that gives you some some thinking that not that they can do what the Padres did from 19 to 20, right? I mean, the Padres are losing 90 games last year with Hosmer and Machado and Tatis for the maybe the back half of the season. I'm not suggesting that the Mariners are going to make that kind of a quantum leap next year like the Padres did this year. But I think in two years from now, you can – for sure see that happening with more pieces getting to Seattle. So you're going to be doing the national game. Cody just told me that uh, for Fox, you're going to be doing the Rays and Phillies. So you're up on your Rays. How interesting are the Tampa Bay Rays? I mean, they can beat you in so many different ways. They are. They're unbelievable. Like, I mean, they're, they are, they're the East coast, Oakland A's, right? Like what fascinates me is the ability to get the most out of the least and how the A's have done this and the Rays have done it. I mean, consistently is incredible. When I look at the, when I look at the Rays this year, despite so many injuries, the plug and play ability in a bullpen when, I mean, look at the Phillies, man, the Phillies cannot get a single out out of their bullpen it's impossible i mean it is impossible i feel so bad for joe girardi i mean it, he can't do it he can't call on his bullpen in, in, in type of a close hey, by game. the way i had the note in our game the other day because i do these hits inside the broadcast uh it's seven times they have given up a lead of three or more in their bullpen oh seven times 
it's a 60 game season. <laughs> I mean, they, they, literally, if it wasn't for the, the Phillies bullpen, they would be in the postseason. Absolutely. Absolutely. They would. Um, no, the, the Rays, despite the injuries, uh, they, they have been able to put together a monster team. And I mean, like to me, like Nick Anderson is the perfect example of the Tampa Bay Rays. Like Nick Anderson is one of the, like the best reliever in baseball, maybe <laughs> that, but he just kind of like, yeah, he's a Ray. Like he just kind of fits in that bullpen and just goes out, carves people up with, you know, high nineties and a nasty hook. And like, nobody talks about him because he's pitching in front of nobody and they're down there in St. Pete, but he's a part of a team that, I mean, I think I'm sure you guys would agree that they could compete with anybody and go the distance this year. And I think you had to like both them and the A's in a shortened season in particular. Yeah, when I was looking at Vegas and how Vegas put it out there about, of course, they're going to put out the Dodgers uh, as number one and the Yankees number two. I'm like, really? You think the Yankees? Like right now, if I'm at the sports book at Caesars Palace, William Hill, and I'm betting between Rays and Yankees, I'm betting Rays all day. Yeah, you know, the two things that concern me about the Rays when it comes time to the postseason, and I'm curious how much of this an athletic fan would echo is one, man, they are striking out yeah. like bonkers right now. In September, their strikeout rate is pushing over 30%. And the other thing that does concern me about the Rays is they are a poor hitting team against velocity. I mean, you look at 95-plus, and they have two of the worst hitters against 95-plus in baseball. And as a team, they have the lowest batting average against 95-plus. And averages and everything, their slugging is better. Uh, but, man, once you, you guys know, once you get to October – I mean, it's all velo and it's all day long. That's all you're going to see. So that is a little bit of a concerning uh, point for me for the Rays. It could be nitpicking once October turns around. But uh, the teams that make contact, as we've seen in recent postseasons, are the teams that go deep. And if you're not able to do that on a regular basis in October, that can be a problem. Well, you don't have to worry about the A's. I mean, last night against Walker, Bueller, and the boys, they only struck out 16 times. So everything's fine here. <laughs> You don't have to worry about Could have I mean, been 17. Out so much. It's so, and, and actually, when Tommy LaStella came to the ball club, and, of course, we get to see Tommy uh, with, with the Angels for, for, for these years, I mean, it was amazing watching a guy, putting a guy in the A's lineup who set a tone saying, I'm going to have a quality at bat, I'm going to see pitches, and I'm going to make ta- contact. And that was, I mean – it's helped, but yeah, I think you're totally right. I mean, the problem with the A's and with the Rays, uh, we don't make a lot of contact. It's a three true outcomes. It's either home run, strikeout, or walks. And will that ever work in the postseason? Yeah, and the thing that I that when I, I saw the A's in, in the game against Cincinnati and the Rockies, and the thing that struck me, and that was right after the doubleheader in Seattle, that the, the A's – you would, you would be more okay with that if they were slugging at a much higher rate. And to me, that's one of the things about the A's this year that has kind of struck me. And obviously, Chris Davis isn't Chris Davis this year, so that's a big slug that you're removing. Uh, but I'd feel a lot better about the low contact, high strikeout if I knew that when I made contact, it was damage. And from the last time that I saw the A's, that wasn't happening as regular as it has in recent years. And that's the Dodgers because the Dodgers don't have great averages, but yet they are when they do make contact, the ball's going out of the ballpark and they're driving in runs. So, 
that is a team that's very impressive. I, I don't know how much you've watched them, but, you know, watching them the last three days and kind of monitoring them, I mean, this is a lineup that there's a reason why Vegas picks them to win the World Series. It's very impressive. Yeah, and, and, and some of their biggest bats have never gotten hot this year. That's the, that's the incredible thing to me about the Dodgers. I mean, when you look at the last time I looked at Muncie, he was right around 200. Right now, he had low double-digit home runs, but he was... I mean, A.J. Pollock has been one of their best offensive players in the last, call it, month and change, maybe even more than that. Um, so, to me, it's terrifying because you know that a team like that, with that type of experience, at any moment can click, right? Like, you just don't want to be on their schedule when they click. And they are maybe the best team in baseball right now without having even seven of the nine guys be hot. Just imagine what it's going to be like when that does happen. You know, calling a Mariner game from your house, what is it then like calling a national game? Uh, it's the best. Your son's there. I mean, we're dealing. I got my kids starting high school, by the way. My kids, how about this? My kids, high school right now in my living room. Can you imagine being a freshman in high school and you can't go to, you can't go to high school? Well, the only thing I can compare that to is my son who's taking online kindergarten right now. <laughs> Which, I'm a little older than you are. Yeah, I, I, uh, online high school would probably would undoubtedly be worse, but uh, neither are ideal. Let's put it that way. But doing a Mariner game versus a national game at home, what is that like? You know the um, the national games that we've got uh, set up at a, a local news station here, and so I I drive to downtown Seattle, and we've got it all rigged up with four monitors and Fox backdrop and this big dark cavernous room that's like 64 degrees and hasn't been used all year but it's just the auxiliary room and i mean you would never know i guess when you're watching on tv that it's just some dude in seattle in a room all by himself practically <laughs> um but that's what national tv in 2020 is like man you know it's funny i did a game um i did a twins indians game earlier in the month i'm in seattle A.J. Przinsky, my analyst, is in Orlando. The game is at Target Field in Minneapolis. And the truck, the brains of this whole thing, is in Los Angeles. And, man, the whole thing went off without a hitch. I mean, I was blown away. Like, I know, obviously, nothing about the back ends of all this on TV. Uh, I came up in radio, and as you guys know, radio is... I mean, like, you could put the radio gear in a, in a backpack, and you could go call a World Series game if you really had to, Right. Uh, but the, the TV side of it to coordinate all that. And then, I mean, you know, we're like, we're talking to Rocco Baldelli in the dugout. Right. <laughs> and it's just like, I mean, the, the, the following week we're doing, uh, Mets, uh, Braves and Mets. And we're, we've got Adam Duvall mic'd up. He's wearing a, a lavalier mic for us and he's standing in right field. And we're talking, I'm talking to Adam Duvall in right field at City Field on a Saturday night when I'm in a news studio in Seattle. I'm like, how is this even possible? It's un- it's incredible. The the amount of work and brain power and technology that and the hard work from all those men and women is incredible. Good for them because if it was up to me running this thing, this I mean, we're talking into soup cans. That's it. Yeah, it was so funny. You, you know, Roxy Bernstein is doing ESPN Radio. He's doing A's and Giants from his house on the peninsula. 
which both the A's and Giants are in the Bay Area, and he's doing it from his house in the Bay Area. You're like, ah, it's so hard to believe. It is. And yet, I mean, you know, on radio, I don't know what you guys think. Like, on radio, I think it's pretty easy to trick people. Like, when you listen to that, for most most of the time, depending on how good or bad or average the crowd noise is, I mean, I, I'll listen to games when I'm driving around town, and – like, I forget, oh, my gosh, yeah, they're not there, but it sounds I – mean, they'll trick me, and I do this for a living. TV, it's a little harder for a variety of kind of, I guess, uh, more like there's a chance that the viewer sees it before the play-by-play guy does or before the play-by-play guy reacts to whatever it is because we're relying on the cuts from the director. Uh, whereas on radio, you can you can fudge it, right? You can be a second behind the action, and nobody will probably figure it out. But it's the whole thing has been remarkable. Not that we want to do this uh, any longer than we have to, but – it's it's when all this happened, I think all of, of us in the industry were thinking, well, how is this going to even work? What is this going to, how impossible is this going to be? And like anything, you do it long enough and okay, yeah, we can make that happen. I don't want to do it all the time, but yeah, we can make that happen for sure. All right, I'm going to take the Dodgers out and let's end on this. You can bet on one team to win it all, mm. which everybody has a puncher's chance. Sure. You can kind of make a case like we've been like, Hey, look at our guy, Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer's a friend of the program. Uh, looking at the Reds, you just start looking at pitching. You can bet on one team. You can't take the Dodgers. Who are you betting on? Indians. Really? I mean, the Mariners got eliminated, so. Yeah, your team's out, so you're good on this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely good on it. Um, yeah, I'm going to go Indians. Like, I'm not saying that they're going to win it, but, like, that's the team that... Well, you're going to get odds, and I'm just saying, who would yeah. you bet on? That's like, fair. That's the, like, look, I'm going to look at it from this point of view. Like, that's the team, in the American League at least, that everybody's like, yeah, I don't want any part of that. Like, I don't want any part of that. You can have that. Like, Bieber, Plesak, Carrasco, like, the hottest hitter in the American League right now, and Jose Ramirez. Like, you can have that. I'd rather not. I'll pass on that. So... Yeah, I think like in the National League, if if Clevenger was not a question mark, I think there's people who would bet the Padres. Sure. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, they're top to bottom, maybe the most talented outside of the Dodgers, again, most talented roster, maybe. Uh, but like, because the other thing is the, when I, when I look at to win the World Series, that means you have to get past the wild card round, which is just the ultimate, just right, flip of the coin, anything can happen. And I feel the best, I think, about the Indians winning the wild card round simply because <laughs> don't play this if they lose. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's playing tonight. So <laughs> simply, simply because I feel so good about the Indians winning game one with Bieber. Right? Because if you lose game one, man, you go into game two and you're just, oh, gosh, this is this, this could all be over. It could all be over right now. So I feel great about the Indians winning game one. So I feel great about the Indians winning the World Series. Yeah, you lose game one, you're DEFCON five for game two and game three. Pretty crazy. Absolutely. But it's going to be fun, right? I mean, for me, I'm really looking forward to this. I mean, if you love baseball, I know our old school guys are like, well, I, I, I think, put it this way, a tournament has always worked in college basketball. It's worked in college football, the NFL, the NBA, and hockey. I, I think we're going to learn something from this. And I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this. 
I agree. I, I'm, I'm, I cannot wait to, uh, in between online kindergarten sessions, carve out all the time on the couch in all these postseason games, that first wild card round. Hey, by the way, it's good to see you. It's great to see you, too. You guys look great. Right? I mean, it's up, like we could see me. each other and talk. I mean, for the first time in a long time, it's great. You got Cody to put a shirt on for the interview? It's awesome. <laughs> hey, be well, be safe with your family, and we'll talk soon. You take care. All righty, man. Great to talk to you guys. Thanks for thinking of me. I didn't think about that. Thank God you did put a shirt on. If you didn't do, if you didn't have a shirt on, I'm out. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's ever really going to be a problem on this program. I, I try to be clothes as much as possible. Uh, the backwards hat is my new thing now going on. But I'm getting my haircut tomorrow. So. All right. It, it, my phone says you're still texting me. It hasn't gone through. Oh, I. I got your text you sent to me about playing James. So, I'm not, is I, that a yes or a no before David forced? Well, we got about four minutes before David calls, and James is six minutes long. Okay, we can maybe sneak him in after David. We got to sneak them all in before G Kipe. Yeah, well, I, I figure we could play right field will after G Kipe because that's when I originally had scheduled. But okay, well, but uh, the re- if, if you saw me doing the the arms up like the celebration. The Marlins are up 3 nothing in the first inning over the Yankees. They're, That's what that was? Their magic number is two. That's what that was? Oh, yeah. What, what, you think I'm, do you think I'm celebrating because Aaron picked the Indians on the World Series? Uh, yeah, I had no idea. It looked like it. No. It was, I it, think I, he might be right. They're good. And that's, why, and that's why I'm like, if I have to pick a team right now for the A's, I'd rather pick a team that I know – and I know that the A's have beaten and the A's have confidence in and a team that hasn't been good at the Coliseum, and that's the Astros. And they're starting right? pitching. Yeah, they're starting pitching's banged up. I mean, some of their guys had big had big numbers yesterday. Like I think Altuve had a home run yesterday for the first time. I think he said like thirty something games. Like some of the guys stepped up yesterday for them, but I mean, you've had good success against the Astros this year, and you've seen them where you haven't seen Cleveland play all year. And you have to face Shane Bieber, who, I'm sorry, he is having one of the greatest years ever. I don't care if it is only. Yeah, he's going to go five innings. Yeah, but the, it could be five dominant innings. And then you get to the Indians' bullpen, and who knows what happens after that. And I that. got them for four innings. I mean, he, re- he really is half the game, let's be honest. Yeah, and, and I think the way they did it the other day, it was him, and then it was Tristan McKenzie, their top pitching prospect that came in. And then uh, one of the rookies, who reminds me, Rick Wilding Vaughn, um, I can't. I, I I always butcher his last name, but it starts with the K. Um, and then they brought Brad Hand in. That's who were the four, the three guys that came in after Bieber and the their game left-handed left. closer. Yeah, who they got from Bob Townsend's Padres. That is correct. Who they got some bad news about? Uh, Mike Clevenger today, the former Indian, it's elbow. Uh, I forget what the elbow sprain. So they're not. They don't know if he's going to pitch in the playoffs or not. But they're hopeful. It's like yeah, I don't think he's going to pitch. But you got you got Lamette, and he's pitched better than Bieber. Or Bieber uh, if you don't guys. have Clevenger, you're done. Shingles can be. Whoa, whoa. You can get vaccinated. Wow. I See, hear, I'm on ESPN. A lot's going on there. Shingles and then Tim Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the game log. To ESPN's the worst because usually most mo- most websites will at least mute their commercials. Let's see, four out of the last uh, – two out of the last four, Bieber's gone five innings, but he's also gone seven and seven and two-thirds. And he's had like ten strikeouts he, I mean, every he, game. He right? averages probably about six a game. 
and he's had like what ten double digit strikeouts in like every every of those starts probably. I know he had ten the other night. It just drives up his pitch count. Yeah, well, that's the thing. That's why he only goes five innings. He gets ten to twelve strikeouts in five innings. So essentially, yeah, a hundred and eighteen versus Detroit, a hundred and nine versus Minnesota, a hundred and three, hundred and five, hundred and two. Yeah, I mean, he he his pitch count is like six innings against. Okay, in modern day baseball, this is a big deal. In in yesteryear, this would be nothing, but six innings and a hundred and five pitches. Yeah, that's – I mean, I, people are going to look at it as, like, that's a lot of pitches for six innings, but he did have a lot of strikeouts, and we talked about – we went through the whole uh, – we got to ask David Force that. What is the science behind how many pitches a guy can throw? Well, that, and if you want to ask him your question – science behind that. I would also maybe ask him your question about, do you think strikeouts are devalued for pitchers because everyone's striking out too? It's not a bad question to ask him. But we already know what the number one question we have to ask is, and that's, who's starting game one? Because Susan well, – Hey, we had David Forrest on for the trading deadline, and he did not tell us that he was trading for Tommy Listella. We did, but we did know his phone was getting blown up because we heard a vibrating in the background. We heard the phone <laughs> vibrating. He's a dual phone guy. So since we didn't get that, can we get this? Yeah, Susan put out a, uh, in her article earlier that talking about Frankie Montas. Um, Pitching today, unless he throws limited innings, that will you know point to little to no involvement in the three-game wildcard series. And she says, game one is likely to either be Shamanai or Hazes Lizardo or a combination thereof. And game two is likely to be Friday night starter Chris Bassett with Manaya, Lizardo, or Fires available for game three if needed. So we still don't know. That's just what Susan wrote in her piece. It's all guessing. It's yeah. all we, we don't want to guess anymore. It's now time for the general manager show right here on A's Cast and A's Cast Live. David Forrest, the general manager of the Oakland Athletics, joins us. David, how are you? What's up, Chris? How you doing? Are doing well. First off, congratulations on winning the AL West. I know it's a big deal for you, the front office, to finally uh, take down the Astros and win the title. Yeah, it was a goal that we set last uh, October. We've talked about it a lot. We talked about it. Through the off season, uh, we we expected it to come in a different kind of season, but um, but a division title is a division title, and our guys were the best team in the West, so uh, good for them. You know, Kevin Cash of the Rays said the other day after their game that no matter what happens, everybody's going to look back who were who are winners in this season and really appreciate it's going to take some years, you know, cause there's, you know, we have no idea when COVID's going to end. We don't know what next year is going to look like, but years from now, people are going to look back and the winners will really appreciate what they accomplished. Do you agree with that? I totally agree. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't hear Kevin say that, but yeah, I mean, I think there's this idea that it's, just 60 games and maybe not as meaningful or as difficult to accomplish. And um, I think those of us who've been inside of it uh, recognize the challenges. And, and I think he's right. We'll look back hopefully in a year if we have a, a normal 2021, but certainly a couple of years uh, we can look back and think just how difficult this was and, and what, a, what a reward it is for those teams that, uh, that ended up on top. 
David, I just do a talk show and the pre and post from my home <laughs> studio, and I feel like it's been 200 games. I have no idea what it's like for the players, Bob Melvin and his staff. I agree. I, I can't imagine what those guys. I yeah, I get to sit at home a lot too. Trust me, I'm, I'm at the ballpark occasionally, and I'm I'm on top of everything. But um, but I'm not on the road traveling with those guys, stuck in hotel rooms, having to get tested every other day and all the all the stuff they're going through so i'm uh, you know 200 may be light it may feel like 2000 games to those guys so for like you who's in control of the ball club are you going to be in the bubble with the players how will that work i'm not right now um you know we'll see how far this thing goes but you know we've taken the approach all season that um that less is more and, and the fewer people uh, on the inside in the clubhouse, things like that. The, the better we are, the less the risk is. So um, I think we've we've sort of narrowed it down strictly to essential personnel. And um, you know, those guys have been in a hotel since Tuesday in anticipation of hopefully winning a couple games next week and moving on to a, uh, a neutral site. You know, right right before the trading deadline, we had you on, and this was the day you tra- you traded for Tommy Listella. We could hear your other phone; it was buzzing, <laughs> and you didn't tell us that you were trading Tommy Listella. So we said, "Okay, but now we'll, we'll forgive you for that." But can you tell us yeah, who's well, starting one, two, and three for the wild card <laughs> series? Oh man, you, that that would be fair if I if I gave you that, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, we're probably going to hold on to that information. And, and to be totally honest, you know, there are a lot of options. Some of it certainly depends on who we play next week. And we may not know that until uh, around three o'clock our time on Sunday. It's not, uh, you know, it's not quite the National League with all the, the chaos they've got going on over there. But there are a lot of different scenarios that could play out over the next few days. And, you know, we could we could move between the two and the three seed and uh, accordingly, the six and the seven seed are going to bounce around. So once we figure out on Sunday who we're playing, then I know Bob and Emo will sit down, look at all the information, and, and make their decisions. I mean, that's totally fair. So as of right now, you don't know who's starting game one. No, I think we have. I mean, we have some ideas, but no, I don't. I don't think. I don't think we've made any final decisions. And yeah, it could definitely change. I think. What Bob said last night was that we were trying to keep as many options open as possible, and that was that was the reason Jesus threw last night on regular rest, just to make sure he stayed on turn as an option. Um, obviously, you know, Fires pitching last night, Manaya the night before. Um, I, I think it's fair to say with Chris throwing tonight, he won't he won't go on short rest in Game One. I don't think that's a likely scenario, but um, but no, we've got a lot of different. A lot of different options, a lot of good choices. So this is something I've been talking about in such a, a, you know, unprecedented season is that you have a team, like the really kind of the two options as of right now are Cleveland and Houston. You've played Houston, you've done well against Houston, and you've done real well against Houston at home. And then you have Cleveland, who you haven't seen. So it, it, how weird is that? that your preparation will be, we played these guys, beat them versus a team. I mean, you're going to have data, you're going to have numbers, you got video, but you haven't, you haven't played against the tribe this year. It's weird. It was one of the things we realized very early on in the season is that 
when we were, you know, kind of surfing through games and watching, we, we figured, you know, other than the five games that take place in the West every night, none of those other games were going to be relevant until the postseason. So, um, and, and look, to throw another variable in there, I mean, the, the Indians are only a game behind the White Sox. Uh, the White Sox have to match, match up with the Cubs this weekend. So, that you know, White Sox lose two out of three or get swept, they could very easily fall behind the Indians and go into that seven spot. So, yeah, that's sort of what I meant earlier. So many unknowns and, and definitely weird to think about playing a team that you have not seen all season. Um, and, and, you know, there's there's some advantages to that. They haven't seen us either. You know, they potentially haven't seen some of our pitchers in maybe a couple of years. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a little too early to get ahead of ourselves right now and start, uh, start picking apart opponents. What do you think that'd be like as a front office in the National League where the variables are so all over the place? Like, how do you, I mean, you only have one day off and then you got to play. Some of this is not going to get decided till Sunday. What do you think it's going to be like for all these front offices? They have all these scenarios in front of them. Well, I think the traveling secretaries in the National League are going to lose their minds this weekend. <laughs> um, and, it's, and it's just incredibly stressful. I saw a graphic last night that said uh, going into today, the Cardinals could have ended up literally in any seed except for the one seed in the National League, or they could have ended up completely out of it by the time the weekend's over. So two to eight or out. Um, yeah, it's a stressful weekend for those teams. And um and yeah, I'm I'm just glad we, we have a little bit of certainty over here and not have to go through that. You know, I thought playing at Dodger Stadium was a big deal. And I and I don't want to overplay it. It's kind of my football background working the in the NFL for years. I just think matchups when two good teams are looking at each other uh, across from from the dugouts and I thought it was good competition. I thought it was a key that you did it so late in the season that if you're able to win this wild card series, that you are immediately going back to Dodger Stadium. So you've been on those mounds. You know how the infield plays. You know how the outfield plays. Am I overplaying this, or was this really a, a key series right here to play down in Los Angeles against the Dodgers? No, I don't think you're overplaying it. I think it was important for a lot of those reasons. I mean, I will say we, you know, internally we set a goal early on to, to go in there without those games being meaningful as far as the standings were concerned. And I was glad we accomplished that. It allowed us to do a couple things, and, um, you know, get some guys some time off. Um, but absolutely playing in that ballpark is important. And, uh, and, yeah, you match up against what is, you know, pretty objectively the best team in the game. Um, and other than – you know, other than Frankie having a little missed up Tuesday, uh, Sean pitched great. Mike Fires did a nice job last night. Um, you know, we, we came from behind and won a big game on Wednesday and, and saw some of their relievers. So, well, I don't, I don't think you're overstating. And I think it's, you know, if we're lucky enough to advance and end up at Dodger Stadium, it will be nice that it feels familiar. Do you get the sense that players will be able to really shake off bad numbers? I mean, you know, let's face it. There's some guys that are not, they're not making a whole lot of contact, but once you get to the postseason, the, the last 60 games mean nothing. I mean, you hit the reset button, everybody's at zero. Do you think these athletes will be able to do that heading into the postseason? I, I think, I think some of our guys are looking forward to it. I, I think there is a, there's a, a mental grind that's gone on the last couple of weeks, just 
knowing that you've only got 60 games and in a normal season, you have so much time to work your way out of something and, and, you know, make a difference uh, on the scoreboard as far as your numbers are concerned. And that's, it's stressful knowing there just isn't a lot of time. And I, I would hope that come Monday, like you said, you wipe the slate clean and uh, it's, you know, it's not about the individual numbers on any level at that point. It's, it's about finding a way to win ball games. So I think uh, I, I would think some of our guys are probably looking forward to that. You know, I, you said the mental game and something I've been saying on this show and also on the A's clubhouse show, as so many people talked about health and they, they talked about physical health because they were worried about the COVID they were worried about testing positive for COVID-19 and I think where we are at this point, I think it's mental health. I think the team that wins the World Series, when you talk about players now going into a bubble, they were never preparing for that. We've seen it in the NBA. We've seen it in the NHL. Just the mental health of the team, the strongest team, whether it's your team or somebody else, just talk about how important that is going to be to win the World Series because the stress, fa- the stress factor that's put on this pl- on these players has never been put on, a t- on teams like this ever before in the game. It's true. It's true. And we've talked all season about all the things outside of baseball that are, that are going on and all, you know, all the things they've had to, to worry about and kind of block out in order to play the game between the lines. Uh, I am hopeful that once you get to – you know, hopefully to a neutral site and you've kind of got everything taken care of for you by MLB that there is the ability to to sit back and, and just focus on the, the game. You know, in, in theory, you potentially have your family with you. You're in a hotel that is uh, exclusively, uh, you know, people with MLB, the, the restaurants in the hotel, whatever else is all, it's all fair game. It's all taken care of. There's no need to go anywhere else and, and get stuff for yourself. You're just you're there and you're at the ballpark and that's it. And you can really focus on the game. So I think, I think we're still, you know, the ne- this weekend and next week still in this environment where there's all these kind of outside forces. And then, like I said, if you're lucky enough to, to advance and get down to Southern California, hopefully that's the time when, uh, when things ease up a little bit. Let's end on this. How nice is it for you and your staff that, you can talk about three games and you're not worried about just <laughs> one game. Yeah, that's it's a huge difference. Obviously, you know, in a normal year, the division winner, you get to immediately go to a five-game season, a five-game series. So uh, we're not quite there yet, but, uh, but absolutely. When you enter the postseason and, and you're not thinking about one game, uh, there's so many other possibilities. You, you know, your, your depth is tested more, and I feel great about it our pitching depth and our position players, you take, uh, you know, you take a lot of the element of luck out of it. There's still, look, two out of three is still random. It's still not a, a great sample, but you're not looking at one game where someone gives up a homer, someone makes an error, and it basically all comes down to that. So I think we're, we're looking forward to the challenge no matter who we play, and uh, our guys will be ready for two out of three next week. Well, in a season like this, with everything you've had to deal with, and being able to win the AL West, you and your staff and the ball club should be so proud. We can't wait as A's fans to to watch this postseason and see how it plays out. And that's all going to happen on Tuesday. But as of right now, you guys should be very proud of what you have accomplished in very tough circumstances. Well, I appreciate that, Chris. I know our guys do. I know, uh, you know, it's great. It's great to have support 
behind us and and they you know they've been able to to feel the support of the fans certainly i mean without even without them in the building there have been ways our our marketing side and the tickets people have done a great job of finding ways to show our players that there's still so many people out there watching and rooting and uh, our guys are certainly aware of it and nothing they'd rather do than than extend this season for you know let's say another month to give everybody a whole bunch more games to watch well, good luck next week. Next week, be well, be safe, and we will talk to you next week. Take care, David. All right, Chris. I'll see you. The David Force Show right here on A's Cast and A's Cast Live. As yes, the next time we will talk to David will be during the playoffs. Exciting times, I'm telling you, it's exciting. I was uh, I was in a little scoreboard watching while 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 David was on and. The Marlins are still up 3 nothing. The Indians are beating, uh, well, the Pirates uh, one nothing. The Pirates are looking to lose their 40th game of the season. Think about Giants that. Giants and Padres are now 1-1. Yeah, Mike Yastrzemski's back for the Giants. So that's big for them as they're trying to clinch a play. All right, we need to do this fan appreciation because if we don't, I, I have people texting me not happy with you, Cody. Okay, well, let's. What do you, who do you want to get in first, James or the great Elena Matzorkis? Uh, you tell me which one you want to go first. Let's do James because we missed him earlier, and this will make him very happy. And, of course, it's presented by Southwest Airlines. It is Fan Appreciation Weekend, and if we're going to bring on right field Will, we got to bring on right field James, truly one of our great A's fans, and we appreciate him like you wouldn't believe. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good, Uncle Tony. It's great to hear from you. I got to think just the fact that you, your wife, and all your friends out in right field not being able to get together for all the home games has got to be driving you nuts. It's It's been the oddest year of baseball, that's for sure. Um, and I, I can't tell you how much I miss being out there, um, especially all these grand slam walk-offs, and we've missed every single one. It has been so hard. Not to be at the Coliseum this year, especially with the team doing so well. It's it's rough, County. Yes, opening day, he was hitting it in your section. I know. It's funny because we went back and watched the video, and the ball just missed, I think, where my wife would have been sitting. Pretty frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> or it would have been right in the neighborhood. It would have been right there, man. We were not happy, but we were happy at the same time. Yeah, no, it's been, I mean, from, from the standpoint of what the A's have been able to do and, and, you know, we're able to listen to the games on A's cast and we're able to watch the games on NBC Sports California. I mean, we got the sounds of the Coliseum. The cutouts are great. I, I mean, they're, they're doing the best they can to make us actually feel like, you know, it's an A's game. Yeah, yeah, no, the, the audio has been fantastic. You know, especially from somebody, my point of view, who's in audio and all of that stuff, it, it literally sounds like there's fans there. They've done a really good job with that. And the best part about it is if you go on Twitter when we're playing the Astros, Astros fans have just been complaining about the drums, and we're not even there. It's awesome. Yeah, they've complained. Hey, isn't, isn't that incredible? The Astro fans for years have complained about the drums, but yet – the team who was banging the loudest was on trash cans, and it was the Astros. It's it's bittersweet for them to be so up in arms about drums being played in Oakland when banging trash cans is 
basically how they won a World Series title. And I'm sorry, they were cheating in the World Series. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm with you on that one. And we know, uh, or we allegedly know, that uh, they weren't the only ones doing it. But you, when you talk about your A's family out there, t- t- talk about what all these people mean to you. They mean a lot, man. Um, they they really accepted me and my wife in a long time ago, back in gosh, 2010, 2011, I think, was when we first joined up with them. And I've been going to A's games my entire life. I like to tell people I grew up at the Coliseum. Um, and then when we started sitting out there was right at the start of Matsui land. And we, we were introduced to, uh, Ross and Wiggy and Jorge, Will, all those guys, but basically we were just kind of hanging out watching the game one day and they asked us if we wanted to hold one of the Matsui land signs. So we were like, yeah, sure. So we came over and held it up and we basically just fell in love with everybody out there. And at that time there was only maybe six or seven of us. And by the time the end of 2012 came around, uh, <laughs> we were taking up three, four rows worth of people. And uh, it's just become such a big family. We like to refer to ourselves as a family. And we all try to hang out in the off season. We're always talking. And, you know, as you know, um, me and Will got so close to the point where he, he was one of the groomsmen in my wedding. You know, I love that guy with all my heart. He's one of my best friends. And, you know, I've, I've made friendships out in the bleachers that I feel will last my entire life. Yeah, you did have one of the coolest weddings. I mean, it was like the ultimate A's wedding. Everybody was in jerseys. You guys got to take pictures on the field. Uh, you, you, you had the reception in the East Side Club. Stompard showed up. Uh, the, the wedding was definitely, definitely a hit. It was a lot of fun, man. It was a lot of fun. It was very stressful. Um, and, uh, my wife was freaking out because if the A's had lost that day, she wanted to move the wedding to another day. Um, but yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. We had a great time. It was the perfect wedding for us because even though we had, we had been together since high school, our relationship really, really blossomed when I introduced her to baseball. And it's just, it was a hell of a ride. It was a lot of fun. And having you there and having you introduce us to our family and friends was so cool, County. And both of us, thank you so much for doing that. Oh, it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun doing it. And, uh, you know, you should have seen the expression on so many people's faces. When I just showed up, they're like, what are you doing here? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we didn't tell, we didn't tell anybody that you were coming. Uh, well, let me rephrase that. We had told people that you might be stopping by. We did not tell them that you were going to be essentially emceeing the reception as part of the reception part of the wedding. So that was a little surprise that we wanted to give to our, our ace fans that, that know and love you as much as we do. Well, you know, you and I have been, been, been friends for a long time and I know what you mean to the A's family and I, I, I can throw in A's cast and A's cast live and, you know, if we're going to honor fans, I definitely had to have you on the program. So uh, great to hear your voice. Be well, be safe, and we'll be talking in the off season. Chris, it was great talking to you. We miss you. Can't wait to see you next year, hopefully, if everything's back to normal. Tell Cody that we love Cody, too. You guys are the best. Don't ever leave us. Where are you going, Cody? Uh, I'm not going anywhere. I think he's just saying in general they don't want us to go anywhere. 
They don't want Ace Cast to ever go away. I haven't gone anywhere. I I mean, where, where are you going? Uh, I mean, I left the state. Something I don't know. I mean, I left the state for a few days, but it was a family thing. But that's that's about as far as I've gone. And our next fan, presented by Southwest Airlines, is the great Elena Matzorkis, our old comrade from the old station. Ah, she's the best. It is Fan Appreciation Day, and of course we bring you on because we miss you. How are you? I'm so great. I miss you, too. I'm actually feeling good. It's Friday. It's nice out. It's not hot yet. It's going to get hot this weekend. How are you? I'm doing well, and I think about someone like yourself who is such an A's fan who loves going to A's games. What has this season been like for you? It's been a little weird. Honestly, I feel a little bit more disconnected than I have in the past just because it's been over a year since I've had a Coliseum dog, and that just seems wrong. But I know I think they're doing a good job. Like, the cardboard cutouts are fun. You know, you see, like, oh, is that Jimi Hendrix in there? Seattle behind the right-handed batter? Oh, yeah, it is. And I think that the sound sounds really good. Like, I just watched Dallas Braden had a Instagram TV thing about the soundboard guy, Charlie. And I really enjoy that. So you should check that out if you haven't seen it. You probably know him. Well, I, I, I think the whole thing that when we hear the drums and we hear the sounds, as we call it, the sounds of the Coliseum, when you're watching it on NBC Sports California or you're listening to it on Ace Cast Live, even though we can't see anybody, it just feels like a regular game, doesn't it? It totally does. It just the hard part is that we haven't been out to the ballpark. So even when they're playing home games, it it feels like they're away all the time because I just it's hard to imagine them playing at the Oakland Coliseum, but we're not there. But I think they really does sound despite I think maybe the one thing is when a really big play happens, I don't hear a huge roar. But besides that, I think it sounds awesome. Like you can hear the banjo man, you can hear the pizza guy, you know, the loud pizza guy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's actually you're really paying attention oh well i of course i'm paying attention for the pizza guy because he's one of my favorite parts of the ballpark pizza you know that one. Oh yeah oh yeah how much do you miss <laughs> the treehouse oh of course i miss the treehouse because i get to see my uncle townie there who i don't get to see every day anymore and just you know congregating with your friends go meet you up at the treehouse have a drink i do just miss everything about being at the ballpark. It doesn't really feel like summer. I mean, nothing has really felt like summer this year. But to be honest, I don't want to complain because I'm, I didn't think the baseball season was even going to happen. And so when the season got underway, got started, and now I, once it even got started, I was thinking, are we going to make it through the season without it getting canceled with all the COVID problems at the beginning of the season? So the fact that we're starting the playoffs in a few days, I'm just really happy about that. I think that's amazing. Well, and let's give you a little promotion. How's everything over at KFOX? Everything at KFOX is great. I do the weeknight show for Down in Your Hood, South Bay's Classic Lock County, 6 to yep. 10 p.m., Monday through Friday. And I'll do little snippets. I talk about the A's. You know, I have to give love to some other teams around town, but I definitely get the Sharks in there, too. So I know there's a lot of A's Sharks fans, and it's been good. Yeah, I like working at the Classic Rock Station. Yeah, I mean, K-Fox is one of the, it's a classic rock, but really, K-Fox is one of the classic radio stations we have in the Bay Area. I've been listening to it forever, and of course, it's the home of the Sharks. 
It is the home of the sharks. Do you see that the shark tank is getting a makeover today? Or I guess it's probably not just today. They're putting in this new ice, eco-friendly ice. And everything I read about it, I didn't understand anything that it said. But <laughs> I imagine it's going to be good. <laughs> I don't know the inner workings of ice, but yeah, sharks. So is that going to not only change for the sharks, but for like Disney on ice? I guess. I don't know what state-of-the-art ice is, but... <laughs> <laughs> and it's got to be good if they're spending the money on it so it's a it's an ice makeover at the shark tank yes it's happening right now you, got, you can see it on their twitter page what will be the one thing for you that will be the best thing about going to the coliseum again seeing my friends just being in the atmosphere okay you said one thing hot dogs I Something love it. Hot dogs. Tony, I have to say, I'm really like the A's are AOS champs. How great is that? It's amazing. First time since 2013. But why the hell do we have to play wild card games when we're champions? I'm not I'm not okay with that. <laughs> Even when you win the division, they're still sticking to you with wild card games, right? I know. They finally beat the Astros, and we're going to have to play wild card games. And we know the A's and wild card games make me very nervous. At least there's more than one game, but still, it bums me out. Yeah, it, it, it is what it is. But you know what? I think for the first time in a long time, the team's ready for this. They're ready, especially. I think so too. Pitching, right? I mean, I mean, how excited! I mean, it, it. I mean, it's going to be tough. Even if they win, they go on to Dodger Stadium, and that's going to be rough. But just the fact that we have. I mean, how much? We'll end on this. How much do you just love the fact that we have baseball? I love it. Like I said, I didn't even think that this season was going to happen, and then once it started, I didn't think it was going to happen for the whole season. And now here we are with playoffs ahead. We've got the weekend of playing games. You know, seeing how the playoff picture is going to end up, and this is what we live for. It's going to be October, and we're going to watch the A's turn October green and gold. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Thank you so much. We miss you and can't wait to have you a part of our broadcast team next season. Me too. I can't wait to, Townie. It's good to talk to you. We miss our friends. That's the bottom line. Glenn Kuyper is going to join us coming up next. Ace fans, it's time to rep the town for our postseason run. You can win a free three-foot A's flag featuring Oakland's iconic cranes and the neighborhoods that make up the town. Enter now through Wednesday at midnight. 50 lucky winners will be randomly selected. No purchase necessary. Visit athletics.com slash rep the town to sign up. Represent the A's throughout the postseason and use the hashtag RepTheTown all postseason. For more information, complete rules, and sign up, visit athletics.com slash RepTheTown today. I like it. Rep the town. And just like you do athletics.com slash AceCast. Can't wait to talk to G. Kipe. You know, the fact that these guys have been doing television, you know, it's one thing to do radio to where everything in radio, um, no one's watching you. And we just talked to Aaron up in Seattle, who not only is doing the Mariners, but he's doing national games. 
but to be doing television during these times, it's uh, it's crazy. And and all the ESPN guys, they're at home. So the other night when the Athletics were taking on the Dodgers, the first game of the series, you got Boog Shambi in New York. You've got Rick Sutcliffe in San Diego. Who was on the broadcast with him? Hall of Famer Chipper Jones. And Chipper Jones in Atlanta. I mean, think about that. One guy in New York, one guy in Atlanta, and one guy in San Diego. I actually watched some of the broadcasts because we had Rick on. Rick Sutcliffe, now friend of the program. And so is Boog Shambi. I had to listen to it like, how's this going to work out? Now, they've done it enough, and I think they got the practice from doing the KBO that they got it down by now. But it's it it, it doesn't sound like when you listen to our radio guys, I, I know they're not thrilled about it, but you can't tell. When I'm listening to Ace Cast, I can't tell that Ken Korak and Vince Catronio and Ray Fossey are not at Dodger Stadium. I can't. I have no clue. I mean, I have a clue. We all have a clue. But if you listen to it, you can't tell unless they make a reference to it. And that's one thing that it's been the same thing for for Glenn, Ray, and Dallas is you can't tell that they're not there either. And that's a tribute to our broadcast team. But, I mean, it's 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 the show must go on. And you must do the best job you possibly can when dealing with calling a game that's not in front of you. And let me tell you something that's not new. They've been doing this with the Olympics for years. You think all the broadcasters for the Olympics are there, but it's not. It, they're not. And Glenn joins us now here on A's Cast Live. How you been? It's been a while. Hey, Uncle Tony. How are you? You know, last time we were talking was like what it was going to be like calling games on a screen. I got to tell you, I know it's not the best thing, but it it, it when when I watch and I listen to you and Ray's there or Dallas is there, it, it sounds like you guys are out the game. Good. That's you know what? That's that's exactly what we want to hear, and certainly hope that all of the viewers feel that way too. I mean, listen, it's not it's not perfect when the team's on the road. We've kind of adjusted to it and got used to it a little bit um it's it's tough for the production guys and it's a little different for us but um that that's probably as good of a compliment as you can give us the fact that uh, you, you can't tell that we're not at the visiting ballpark so we appreciate you saying that how does it change your home run call <laughs> well you know what you you have to wait a little bit longer to see if the ball goes out. I would say that's really the only difference. Um, you know, there is another monitor that we have that we look at. It's called an all nine, and it's just really a wide shot from from up behind home plate that shows the whole field, but it's it's quite a ways away, so you, you don't really see the ball that well. <laughs> you kind of see the, the players moving, you know? So, so yeah. really what I do is I, I just have to wait a little longer. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a little odd because when you're at the ballpark, you, you, you know, you, 
you see the ball, you see the fielder, you can see that all kind of in the same spot. Here you can't. Um, so that's really the only thing. I just have to be a little more patient and, and wait and and watch the outfielder when that camera shot comes on. So that that's really the only difference. Yeah, it's that baby is a fly out to center field at the morning track. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go too early. So, so I just, I wait maybe a second or two longer and, and I don't think it really makes all that much difference. As long as the ball goes out of the park, right? You know, we just had David Forst on and uh, I believe that series was big for the A's. You know, you go down, you play against the Dodgers, you're playing against arguably the best roster in baseball. Uh, you go down there and it's iron sharpens iron. And if you win this wild card series, you're right back there. You're comfortable with the field, the mound, the whole deal, the infield, the outfield. Uh, yep. what, what did you take away from the, the series against the Dodgers? Yeah, I, I felt the same way. I, I thought it was a big series. I, I mean, and when I say big, not not imperative that you win two out of three, but I just thought it was it was good to play a team of that quality. And I don't I don't think anybody's better than the Dodgers. Um, you know, so you kind of see what 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 you're up against. You know, and and I think it's always good to do that, especially right before the postseason starts. Um, you probably won't see a better team than the Dodgers. Uh, you'll see teams that are good, but you know they're they're really good. So. Um, I thought the A's were fine. You know, they'd, I'd like to see them swing the bats a little bit more. But again, that's a real good pitching staff down there. So uh, I, I did. I, I agree. I think it was it was a big series just just to play against a team like that. Um, sure, you'd like to have, you know one two out of three, but I, I don't know that that was necessarily the most important thing. But but uh, what was important was to kind of see what you what what you have ahead of you. Yeah, it's like our kids when we go. It's about the experience. It wasn't about winning right. two out of three or, or sweeping them. It was about the experience of being there that they can they can look back on that. Like, like you've got to understand, and you were an infielder, knowing how fast the infield is. Supposedly Dodger Stadium is a really fast infield. Outfielders, knowing the outfield, knowing the wall, knowing how the ball carries, you know, because the odds are they're going to be playing a team who hasn't been to Dodger Stadium this year. Yeah, that's a good point, and and there is a pretty good chance. Yeah, the A's, you know, the they could play the the division series at Dodger Stadium. So, um, yeah, and, and to you know, you face three good pitchers. You're going to face, you know, every pitcher you face now is going to be good. Um, you know, so I thought that was important too to to you know to face you know Dustin May and and, and Walker Bueller and and those guys who are who are really good. Um, so yeah, and it, I thought it was interesting. I thought about that while we were doing the game. It's like, man, this this could be where where you know the A's are doing their thing in the division series because I know I think the championship series is definitely in San Diego. But uh, yeah, you're right. You could be back at Dodger Stadium, and uh, uh, hey, I don't I don't care where they're at as long as they as long as they make a a, a deep postseason run. That's that's what I'm really looking forward to. Everybody we talk to talks about how tough this season is, how this is such a it's such a grind. It's so tough mentally. Uh, A lot of people can't wait for it to be over. With that said, where do you think the mentality is going to be for teams like the Seattle Mariners where you're out of it? You may have some young players who, who think they're playing for something, but 
you know, I mean, if I if I was any type of guy that had had experience, I'd probably be thinking about my next tee time. Maybe, yeah, maybe. But, but I think if if you're talking about the Mariners, they have a pretty young team, and I'll be honest with you, as I'm sitting here, they're they're running around laughing, they're having a crazy time, they're throwing the football around, uh, so so you know they're enjoying themselves. But um, you know, I, I I think I do. I think the Mariners will will, will play well this series. I mean, I mean they have they have some young guys that are actually fairly talented. Um, they're they're trying to to put together. A, a, a good team that can challenge the A's and the Astros, but I, I think I, I'm not worried about them not playing hard. I, I don't, I don't really think that that happens at the big league level. I, I think the Mariners will try to get after it. I mean, you know, they've made you know, they've made some some significant progress, and I, I just saw a note on them which I thought was really interesting, Tony. Uh, they are 17 and 12 since the 21st of August. That's a pretty good record. So they are actually playing pretty good baseball. So um, I'm looking forward to the weekend. I think it's going to be it's going to be fun, and 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 it's it's fun because you're also kind of have your eye on what's going to happen next week too. All right. So we asked David Forrest about who's going to start game one, two, and three, and he told us it's not decided yet. They're weighing their options. They don't know who they're going to play. So if David Forrest comes to your TV booth tonight and he says. Glenn, who are you starting game one? Give me an idea. Who would you start game one if if, uh, if David asked you? Well, that's a, boy, that's a good question. I mean, I think I think it does depend. Not not necessarily what I'm thinking, but I think from a front office who knows all the numbers of all the teams and who what they're good against, you know, I think it does. It is going to depend on who they play. Um, um, I think a possibility is 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 maybe Bassett. You know, maybe not, not not throwing ninety to hundred pitches tonight. He could could be less than that, and maybe he could be then be ready for, um, you know, game one. But after that, everybody is really rested. Will will be rested come Tuesday and ready to go. Whether it's Lazardo or whether it's Fires or whether it's Manai, all of them will have their proper rest. Um, so I think the A's have done a nice job of of having to make sure everybody is ready to go come Monday. And then you make your decision and you line it up the way you like. But, uh, you know, I think Bassett has been the A's best starter this year. Um, but if he throws, you know, seven innings and 100 pitches, then, you know, then he would be lined up for game two. If he comes out a little earlier tonight, I think that could be a little bit of a telling sign that they want him to, to, to pitch game one. So that's kind of what I'm looking for. How long does Bassett go tonight? Were you shocked that Jesus Lazardo came in the game after fires yesterday? No, I mean, you know, when when the A's gave the explanation and when Bob gave the explanation, then it really, really made a lot of sense, right? I mean, you know, I think Lazardo only ended up throwing fifty four pitches, so he's he is fine. He he got a good workout in, so he is now ready to to go if he is chosen to start. So the, the reasoning behind it makes makes a ton of sense. Fires is ready. Now Lazardo's ready. They're, you know, they're not, they're not going to be sitting there for seven, eight days and not have pitched. So it was actually a pretty good move by, by these doing it that way. So, um, you know, in the context of why they did it, no, it, it really made a lot of sense. And then the other thing I've been dealing with is, would you rather face a team who, you know, who you've played and you've beaten at home 
or face a team that maybe has a lesser offense. They re- they got really good pitching, but you haven't seen them. So it's kind of like, who would you rather have, your rival, the Astros, or the Indians? Um, I think if you if if you really really wanted me to give you an answer, I'd probably rather face the Astros. Um, and I only say that because the, the the guy in Cleveland, the pitcher Bieber, is so good. I mean, he's one of a handful of guys that. I mean, he is, he's, he's going to, I mean, he's a shoe in for the Cy Young and he's an MVP candidate. So you're going to get him in game one and in a three game series, that's a little scary, right? Um, so I, that to me, and, and no, we don't know. I know the Indians offense has been better lately, but their bullpen is good. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I'd rather, I'd rather take my chance against Granky and the Astros. Um, but, but, you know, anybody who thinks the Astros aren't going to say, okay, all right, let's go. We're ready now. I mean, they're going to. And and so that would be a lot of fun, you know, to see the A's and the Astros square off as well. But uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big scoreboard watcher, so I'm keeping a close eye on all this stuff just like you are because I'm dying to know who the A's are going to play. And how about the National League? I mean, it's crazy. I mean, uh, David was telling us, he's like, you know, you're looking at the scenarios and – at one point, the St. Louis Cardinals can be anywhere from the two seed to the eight seed to not even in the playoffs at all. Absolutely, and 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 yeah, and they just lost the first game of a doubleheader. So, <laughs> um, I, I I think, yeah, it's it's it really is crazy. And then you're you know you're not going to really have uh, any tiebreakers games being played. You're just going to kind of do it mathematically. So that's going to come into play. Cardinals may have to play on Monday. Um, so I, I think today, to me today, the games being played today, especially in the National League, are, are, it's big because the Brewers and the Cardinals a doubleheader, the Giants have a doubleheader, and I think they, I mean they they have to at least split over there across the bay. I think if if they want to have any chance. Um, so I think it, tomorrow morning, I think it's really going to be interesting to see where everything is sitting, especially in that that crazy National League race. Well. Every once in a while, I'll speak for the fan base, and I'm just going to say this. I hate how, I mean, at least in the first round, like the NBA, the local guys get to do it. The fact that once postseason hits, we got to get random guys who we know we're not staying up late on the East Coast watching any A's (laughs) baseball. We know how that works, and the fact that uh, these are – the, the, the last games you got, we're, we're going to miss you. Thank you for everything you did in 2020 because it meant a lot just to have baseball back on television, and you guys did a great job as always. I wish you were at least going to do the first round. We're going to miss you. I know. So do I. That would be a lot of fun. But you know what? It's been fun. It's been different. But but we hope that we've we've brought you know some enjoyment to, to all the A's fans. I know our ratings have been great. People have been watching. And it's a super fun team to watch. So that, that certainly makes all the difference in the world. But uh, I appreciate it, Tony. And uh, let's just hope that the A's have an awesome month of October and everything is back to normal next year. But you will have a home here on A's Cast Live and A's Cast because we will <laughs> be calling you during the postseason. Uh, please do. Please do. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be sitting on my couch watching as many games as I can. I'm looking forward to it. Take care, buddy. All right. See you, bud. The great Glenn Kuyper the TV face of your Oakland athletics. All right. 
do we need to get to right field Will here, or are we doing buying or selling, or what are we doing? Let's do right field Will. He's the last one left for Fan Appreciation Weekend, presented by Southwest Who? Airlines. Southwest, Southwest Airlines Fan Appreciation. We absolutely love it. Is anything better? I mean, Southwest is the best, right? I mean, Southwest really, I mean, let's face it. You take off on time, and you get there on time. I know that was Southwest. It's the only airline I fly with. Literally, I, I mean, let, let's be honest. All the other, eh, you don't know. Southwest, you know. Here is right field Will. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, as it is Fan Appreciation Weekend, is the great right field Will, one of our longest and greatest fans that we have with the Oakland Athletics. Right field, how are you? Man, I'm doing great. It's wonderful to hear your voice to be able to talk to you in some capacity. I mean, A's Cast has been a go-to for me during the season. I thank you all for that and just enjoying the games as best I can. Just hate not being there, to say the least. You know, you and your crew out in right field are so dedicated to coming to every game. Just, just what was this like for you in a season where you can't go to a game? It is the weirdest thing in the world from when you go day in, day out, live the grind, not like the players. I mean, they have it a little much tougher than we do, but we live in ups and downs with them. And to sit here and now go, we can't cheer them on in person. It is the weirdest thing. But, I mean, we've done the best we can there. I mean, thank you to the Oakland A's for letting us come in right field and left field to put up some of the banners. And they recorded the, some of the drum beats. I mean, we, we're doing the best we can to make it seem like we are still there in some capacity, but we miss it dearly. I could tell you that. Well, I, I just know listening to the games on A's cast and then watching them on NBC Sports California, just the fact that they have all of our cutouts out there and the fact that they have the banners and, and they, they do have the, as we like to say, the sounds of the Coliseum. I mean, it's not going to be perfect. But it's better than just how generic, like when I first saw the KBO on ESPN. I think especially the A's, uh, you know, I've watched a lot of different games. I think the A's have done as good a job as anybody in baseball. Oh, I mean, I have the MLB Extra Innings Package and MLB TV. So, I mean, I watch as many baseball games as I can when I actually have a day off from the job I work. And, uh, yeah, the A's, it still sounds like the Coliseum. You try to watch other teams play like the Yankees, it sounds like a graveyard. But, again, most of our team is kind of old, so it is like a graveyard. But the Oakland Coliseum, it has this real true charm. It's real true environment, even if it is a bunch of cardboard cutouts there. But, yeah, the A's do the best they can in a very difficult situation. What is your favorite thing about A's baseball when you're able to go to the Coliseum? Oh, my, the greatest thing in the world is being of all my friends, right field, left field. I mean, it, there's nothing better than the camaraderie we have day in, day out with each other. It's odd not seeing my summer family or family every every day. It is the weirdest thing. I mean, we've tried to see each other the best we can, social distancing, of course, or on Zoom, but it, it doesn't have that same thing. We miss everything about the Coliseum, the atmosphere, shooting the you-know-what with you. I mean, it's just, yeah, we everything that we're used to doing, we just, it, yeah, it's just not the same. Yeah, it was, you know, doing the shows after a while, it just got to be really weird not being in the treehouse because when I'm out there, you know, everybody has the ability to come see me and come say hello and I get to talk to them. And, and it's just after a while, it was just like, wow, I'm really not going to be in the treehouse and I'm not going to be able to see all of you. 
Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine what that's like for you. You feed off. I know how well you feed off the fan energy, and you put that into your shows. I mean, you're doing the best you can via social media, and doing the interacting on A's pre and post with fans and whatnot. But I know for a fact it's it's got to be difficult for you, and I mean for Commander Cody and everybody else. It's just it's a different atmosphere for everyone. Now I got to think. Also, one of the things that you miss is Ray Fossey talking about you on television. <laughs> oh man. I miss having him give me a hard time when he can. I I I miss shooting the you know of Ray. He's one of the greatest guys. He's the, he's the face of the A's for so many years, and just I miss I miss him giving me a hard time. I miss talking to him. He he is the man. I sincerely miss it. And and what's always great too is they find you no matter what ballpark it is. Like because you 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 like to travel, and it's great that you get out to other ballparks to see the A's and. and and it doesn't matter where you go, Ray Fossey finds you. Yeah, I don't know if they have a – it's like the – like, where's Waldo? It's fine will at the stadium, I guess. I don't know how they do it. I mean, it's it's pretty spectacular. I could be – try to be as incognito as possible, yet I am still found. But then again, some of the stadiums I go to, I kind of stand out in Kelly Green. Everyone else is wearing red, like in Minnesota. But still, it works out great, and it, it creates some great laughs, and I love when they bust me when I pull out my phone and start seeing it. So – Create some good TV, I hope. And yeah, I I miss everything. I miss Kuiper, Fossey, Korak, Vinny, all the guys. It's uh, yeah, it's just I miss talking to everyone for sure. Well, I I know what a great fan you are, and how much you love the A's, how much you love the entire organization, and how you follow the minor league system. And I think you know what you mean to us here, A's Cast Live and A's Cast. So fan appreciation, we had to have you on. So. Uh, we truly appreciate you as an A's fan. You're a part of our family. That means the world to me, and I just want to say I miss all the A's fans as well. I mean, this hopefully 2021, we're going to have a great time, and hopefully it's after celebrating a 2020 World Series. I think that would be great for everyone, huh? Of course. That is the ultimate dream. Be well and safe, my friend. We'll talk soon. You better believe it, Townie. Thank you so much. We're going to have to throw a big party when this thing's over. It'll probably be outdoors. It'll probably be at the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. That's our usual meeting spot for for uh, where we go. But I think we're going to have to throw a big party after this because, yeah, it's been tough not seeing everybody. I mean, I'm not, you know, as people for some reason are talking about Cody, who is sitting in the press room getting a free <laughs> dinner while I'm out there at the Treehouse promoting A's Cast and A's Cast Live. Uh, I see these people on an everyday basis and to not see them and just to be stuck at home. I mean, at some point it's, um, it's brutal. That's why, like, I think about what the players are going through and trust me, I get it. I'm not digging ditches, but this has felt like 200 games, not 60. And we've been going strong. I mean, finishing here with four games, a doubleheader on tomorrow. I mean, when was the last time the A's or anybody in baseball had a doubleheader at the end of the season? Uh, That's a good question. Seriously. I mean, I – and whenever I say that, someone will come up, well, actually, you know, two years ago. But really, I mean, you got somebody that – probably is on the East Coast that had to make up a game because it meant playoff implications, probably. But I don't know when. I mean, it's very odd, especially West Coast teams, to have a 
doubleheader on the last weekend of the season. Now, if you're having to make up games and everything, I get it for postseason, but this game, the ramifications, I mean, I get you can look at seeding, but it's not going to depict whether the A's or the Mariners are making the postseason. A random doubleheader. Yeah. Uh, the Brewers- and, and, oh, by the way, uh, personally for me, it's my wife's birthday. Tomorrow? Oh well, okay. yeah. I'll send you a text to tell you to tell. Works her out great for me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, Daddy, where are we taking mommy for dinner? No, I can't because we have not one but two games against the crappy Mariners. Let's play two, as Ernie Banks would say. Who was a? Uh, as we come to find out earlier this year, we found out he was actually really bad in doubleheaders during his career with the Cubs. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he was talking about. Uh, he was well under 500 in doubleheaders. I don't know why he wanted to play, too. Probably he one- should barely, as bad as the Cubs were while he played there, he probably shouldn't even want to play one. Yeah, uh, that was probably one of the most extensive and just research projects that you, you reached out to me and asked to look it up, and I tried to do my best. And I literally had to go through the game log for every year from 1955 to 1972, I think. No, it helped a little bit that Ernie Banks didn't play as much as he got older, but uh, that that really took a little bit of time. And I wanted to pass this along quickly because we're almost out of time. Uh, I want to thank the A's and the People Operations team for – I got flowers literally as we were taping – while we were running the interview with Rayfield Will, I got flowers sent to my house, and I was wondering, like, who's sending me flowers? Like, I didn't order them for Dina, so that's out of the question. And I hope someone's not playing a prank on me thinking that someone sent them to her from someone else. But it was from the A's for what happened while I was gone last week. So I wanted to say thank you for that. Nicely said. As uh, you lost your grandmother and it was uh, very tough on your family, but it was great that you went back and that you were there for your parents, especially your mother. So that was, uh, uh, you know, when you, you were gone, it was like, hey, take as much time as you possibly can, but you showed great dedication getting back. And, um, you know, it's always a tough thing, uh, losing a loved one, but in our sport, what we do is, uh, we'll grieve and, and then we got to get back, uh, on the horse and get back into playoff mode. And that's, uh, where we are. And we, uh, thank you, Cody, for everything you do. Look at everybody gave you love. You're getting flowers. <laughs> Fans are talking about, thank, don't leave how special you are. Yeah, well, hey, we're, we're up against it, but, you know, this is our last regular season show right now. But we got playoffs. We're in playoff mode starting Monday on AceCast Live at 3 o'clock. We're, we're back 3 to 5 on Monday. Who's next? We're going to have uh, Emo, Scott Emerson, before Ace Total Access with you. Yeah, and that will be at 5.45. I'll see you on Monday, Cody, and I'll talk to you in 15 minutes. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Trek all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.